Hi, I'm Dave Eigenberg, and I play Herman on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hi, Shyhards. Welcome to episode 259 of Meet Us at Molly's. We are discussing this week's episodes, of course, um, 820, 1120, and 1020. We are two weeks from the season finale. It's crazy. It doesn't feel like. It feels like we're at the end of the season and I'm like ready for them to be done. But at the same time, I also am like, dang, how are we already at episode 20? I know. Yeah. Full transparency, listeners. We're both feeling kind of shitty. It's Thursday night. Um, We're both feeling kind of shitty today, but we're going to get through it. Probably good that we're feeling shitty because I'm sure we've got a we've got a ton of opinions. So, yeah, lots of opinions. Some good, some not so good. But yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so just bear with us, you know, but I'm sure you guys are feeling shitty about certain aspects of this week's episodes anyway. So I think a lot of people have a lot of feelings after last night. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. honestly, last night, well, men and fire were fine to watch, but PD was just in general, like, regardless of your upset feelings or what, like PD was just hard to watch. Like, even as like a awful. second time, I was like, I can't, I don't know if I want to watch this again. Like I'm if sorry I you had, had to watch it twice. Yeah, like if I had to outline it, if I didn't have to outline it, I probably wouldn't have watched it again. Yeah. Not I, and not because obviously Tracy isn't amazing, because she is, but like it's really hard to watch. And I probably won't watch it again. I won't touch that episode again. Yeah. No. Um, I've got like emotions pent up about that episode. Like I know we were on FaceTime last night and you were just like, I mean, it was the feelings were just pouring out of both of us no you can you can say it I I was crying at the end of the episode like actual tears coming out of my face and I might do it again while we discuss this episode who the fuck this this episode is just gonna be therapy for us Gina yeah it is it is and I kind of wish we were starting with PD just because I have like so much I want to like yell about but we can switch it up if we want to God, should we? Why the fuck not? We feel shitty. We can do whatever we want to Gina it's our fucking podcast do we want to do that? Do we want to dress we it up today? We don't have news this week, so we have Patreon Janets. We don't have news this week, so why not? We can start with PD. Should we go backwards? PD Fire Med? Yeah, let's do it. Let's change it up this week. We feel backwards, so we may as well do the pod backwards. Let's do it. We never, we've literally it. never done that ever. No, no. Okay, so we will start with patron shoutouts. We don't have any news, which like, I'm kind of glad we don't, because after this week, I just don't, I don't have the energy like no he was a gut punch this week i will say i just saw something that i thought was interesting that's like wolf entertainment related i saw that fbi most wanted got stopped by the writer's strike today they're not done filming and they got halted just most wanted i guess that was what deadline said interesting which i thought i was like oh so they're still filming like i i thought that was interesting because even like fire was like basically done but they were able to finish you know they're like three or four days or whatever but I just thought that was interesting that apparently FBI most wanted got stopped by the writer's strike today interesting but it didn't I, uh, say it's... like you know where is it just you know like obviously I guess not how long like will it will they get to finish their finale I mean I don't know but just interesting 
Yeah. Only, that's the only news I got. So we've got, yeah. And, and by the way, the writer's strike is still going strong. It's like day 12, day 11. I lost day count 11. already. It was May 1st. So yeah, day 11. We're going to be here a while, guys. Yeah. We're going to be here a while. Um, yeah. So, okay. Patron shout outs. We've got three this week. So that's, that's reason that's really exciting. That's a yeah. positive note. Yeah. Okay. Um, first patron shout out is Melissa Benson. Welcome to the family. Good to have you here. Um, we've got Brittany Poznikoff. Poznikoff. I think I that's said right. that right. Uh, Brittany, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, and you're already in the Facebook group, so that's exciting. Yes, I also saw she was in the chat, like the family chat, which is I really exciting. I love it. And then we also have Grace. We don't have a last name on Grace. It was just, just Grace. Yeah. But uh, welcome to the family. I think you're in the Facebook group. I haven't seen anything yet, but um, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for supporting the pod. Um, if you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials. Lots of good stuff. Facebook group is obviously the best part. Uh, but yeah, lots of good stuff there. So cool. Are we doing this? Are we going backwards? Why not? Let's change it up this week, Gina. Why the fuck not? Okay, before now we do I'm this- like, I got to scroll down to the bottom of the- I'm going to grab the tissues because like I might need them. So okay. <laughs> give me a sec. I'm going to scroll down to the bottom of the outline because- we don't usually start this way we're doing it this is pod history guys maybe it'll be good to end on med though because we're gonna get like progressively happier yeah trust me i'm definitely gonna get progressively happier but we'll get there but i have a lot of happy feelings about med so okay so yeah pd let's just do this make sure you check the notes in the time the timestamps in the notes because they're different this week yeah um this is new. This is uncharted territory. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say it. I hated this episode. I absolutely hated it. Yeah, I same. And I hated it for a couple reasons. One, I feel like this is obviously it's not the exact same, but very similar episodes to ones we've already had in previous seasons. They just keep seem to be going back and forth between Kim Haley, Kim Haley. It's like, oh, okay. We'll just go back and forth between all the women characters. So, like, why do we need? Why do I just don't understand why we need to do this every single year? And like multiple times in the same season. Why? Yeah, but at least once a year, if not, you know, multiple times. And it's also just like, and I hate, I don't like this phrase, but I'm going to use it because I don't really know what else to call it. Like, these episodes are almost becoming like trauma porn. That's exactly what they're becoming. That was, yeah, that's the phrase. Like, that I, I don't really, around. I just don't really like that phrase in general, but that's what this is. No, that's exactly what it is. And it's just like, why? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, so two thoughts here. So one, um, it was gratuitously violent in all aspects. Oh my God. Yeah. To I mean, the point. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. We're going to say the same thing. To the point that. Wolf tweeted a picture of the severed hand last night. We retweeted it and it got flagged for gratuitous violence. Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, it violated Twitter's rules because it was that gratuitous. So they made us remove the tweet. Which is fine. I mean, we're not, yeah, but. No, we're not complaining about that. It's just that you might, like your show might be a little too violent for network if that's happening. It was really violent. Too, it was it was too much it was too much and there's just too much darkness in this world right now and pd is not helping that and the 
thing is, though, I think you can have a dark, morally gray show without it being this and without it being trauma porn. Like, you can, that exists. Like, a world, like, a TV show like that exists. You don't have to go this route. No. And like I said, if you went there once every, like, couple seasons, okay, fine. I get it. You're gonna, your dark show, you're gonna go there once every couple seasons. We don't need it every year. We don't need it multiple times a year. And we don't need it with just, I mean, again, I don't want to see it at all. But like, if we're going to see it, and I don't want all my favorites tortured either, but like, if we're going to see it, like, why is it always just Haley and Kim? Exactly. Always. Exactly. Like, I was trying to think today, like, what's the closest it's ever happened with one of the male characters? And the only two, the last two things I could think about was Jay's mid-season finale. What's that? Season seven. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin in the church. I think that's but neither season. one of them ended is this. And, and I, the, yeah. Yeah. Is this. Now, did Jay's end in him getting shot? Yes. But there was no like prolonged him covered in crawling on the ground to help. No, no. And Kevin's wasn't that bad either. No, but Kevin I'm just saying that's out the, of the church. No, but that's what I'm saying is if that's the closest, if those are the closest things I can think to what both Kim and Haley have suffered over the last couple of years, like, okay. And again, I don't want to see any of my characters tortured or, you know, beaten half to death or crawling on the ground, you know, with blood all over them. Like, I don't want to see that. But like, I, it, I think it would just feel different and maybe we wouldn't have all this pent up rage at these episodes if it wasn't always the girls all the time it's always the girls and there's like i was thinking about this today i've been in my fields all day not just because of pd because of shit but like there are other ways to depict a strong woman than through gratuitous trauma and repeated trauma over and over and over and the first example i think of is bailey on the rookie yeah she doesn't get repeatedly traumatized no but she goes through shit she goes through shit but it's like it's once in a while and the reason she's a strong woman is because she comes in with this skill set of you know She's a firefighter. She's in the military reserves. She speaks a bunch of languages. She's got a ton of different tricks up her sleeve. That is why she's a strong woman, not because she's been through the ex-fiance and because she got trapped in the tank and, you know, whatever else is going on that I haven't caught up on yet. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I think they're, what they were trying to do, obviously with like Haley in the beginning and showing her training and going through all the training stuff with Torres I think that's fine, even if you gave her a situation where she then had to use all that stuff that she's been, like, working on. But we didn't need it to go this far, either. Like, there is an, again, there is another version of this episode that exists where Haley can use the stuff she learned with Torres from the beginning of the episode, but it not be this. Because I like this, I like seeing her, obviously, go work with Torres and we'll get there in a second. But, like, I liked seeing that stuff, but it just... You know, and I understood what they were trying to do, but it's just like, okay, it didn't work in my opinion. I think back on seasons two and three, which I mean, I just miss more and more with every week that goes by. And I don't watch this show to watch the characters get repeatedly physically beaten or watching people die. That's not why I watch this show. In seasons two and three, I watched it to watch people who are my age doing things bigger than themselves and persevering and coming through it 
with a little bit of joking and comedy every now and then. Well, and there were occasions where people got, you know, you know, I'm thinking of like Kim's Warehouse episode, Jay in 301. Like there are instances of it, but it's not. It's not the entire episode. It's and it's not nearly as dark. And like you said, it's not in the entire episode and it's not. Like, it's not like Jay happened in 301, and then it was 308, and then it was 317, you know, like, it happened once, and then the next time it happened to Jay again was probably the season seven, you know, mid-season finale. Like, it's just, like, it's happening so often, all the time. I'm like, I don't need it. I don't need this. Like I said, once every while is fine. We don't need it all the time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I just, there's so much I want to say, and I don't even know, like, how to get them out in an organized fashion, but let's just, yeah, we'll just, okay, so, and also, like, Tracy's a great actress, don't get me wrong, but, like, this is not what we want to see. Yeah, it's, well, and I think she's proven that she can do these episodes. Mm-hmm. Give her something else now to go prove that she can do. Mm-hmm. Like, have I have some happiness, like. Well, PD doesn't really give anyone happiness, but it's just like, okay, we've seen her get beaten and deal with, you know, this stuff. We saw her big, you know, episode in the river and we, like, we've seen her do those things, but like, give her something different. And I don't know what that looks like yet. Maybe an undercover Kate. Like, I don't know. Give her something else to like, bite her teeth into and like, do that's very different from hate, you know, what Haley normally does. But like, we just don't need to see this over and over and over again. We get it. She can do this stuff. And she's great at it. Like, she was phenomenal in this episode. And I don't want to take away from how amazing I thought she was. But it's just like. It's trauma porn. It's literal trauma porn. Yep. Yeah. There was a parallel floating around on Twitter this morning that should have never been able to be made. And it was Haley crawling on the ground next to Kim crawling on the ground. Yep. Within, like, two seasons of each other. It's not, like, what? That. We should not be able to make that parallel. Yeah. Are you that like not sure of how to write your female characters that it's just a constant loop of trauma? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like you can only make that parallel between the two female characters on the show. Mm-hmm. You can't throw in like Kevin doing it or not that it would be right in that regard either, but like if you could throw Kevin in there or Voight in there or Torres or whoever, it's like, okay, fine. It's not just the females, it's everyone. But you can literally only make that parallel with a female character, so. There are other ways to depict strong females than through repeated trauma. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so so the episode starts and Ailey's at the 21st and Jay calls. Jay calls. He fucking services. By the end of this episode, I hated this man so much. I was actually, were you surprised that they were talking as often as they were? Um, I guess up until this episode, they always made it seem like he was so, am I, like, just so out of touch all the time. Or that's at least in my head. Maybe that was just in my head. But, like, they just made it seem like he's in, like, such a remote location that he can't have any contact. So the fact that he's calling basically, like, at the end of every shift or she's calling him and he's picking up the phone I was like oh I was just kind of surprised I was like oh so he's like actually someone you can reach yeah I guess so I wasn't really surprised I was just kind of 
like I don't know. I was just kind of eagerly like awaiting. I was like, Jay's on the phone. Like, oh my God, what are they going to, what, what is this about? Um, and that asshole wants to extend again. Well, and the thing that, I mean, again, and this is Haley being amazing wife is just like, she's like, I'm not even mad that you want to extend. She's like, can we just talk about it? Like she, literally he's put her through so much shit. And she's like, I'm not even mad at you that you want to stay away from me for another year, two years, whatever her, his extension is. She's just like, I just want to have a conversation with you. And like, let's make that decision together versus you just telling me you're doing it. Yeah. And that's not too much to ask. The fact that she's got a plea for it. Yeah. Which this just, and, and more, the, the question begs itself more throughout the episode, but why did they ruin him? Why? Yeah, I, you know, we had this conversation last night with um, Logan while we were on FaceTime. And the more I keep thinking about it, and like, I would have never thought I would have said this, like right after 10.03 aired, before 10.03 aired. But like, now I really feel like, they should have just killed him. They should have just killed him. Whether they killed percent. him in 10.03 or even if they, like, had him go overseas and, like, you know, then he died in Bolivia, they should have just killed him by now because what they're doing to this character that we all loved for 10 years, and I just feel like it's such a disgrace, not only to the fans but to jesse and i know jesse will never come out and say that he feels that way but i can't it would be hard for me to imagine he doesn't feel that way i don't want to put words in his mouth but that's my personal opinion but like it just feels like such a disgrace and at this point i would rather him be i would rather jay halstead be dead and still keep the man like the memories of the character that we loved so much intact than for them to be tainted by this whatever this is thousand percent like and i would have never if you had asked me like six months ago what i thought that i would have said no i'd much rather than done something with him just off screen but now i really feel like they should have just killed him but actually though if they had killed him in 1003 then we still would have had the memories of jay being a good person intact instead all of this bullshit since has overclouded that overshadowed it really and it's just it's disgusting. It's it's so irritating and infuriating. And it's so passive aggressive too. And I, I've brought this up before, but you know, on the West Wing Weekly, when Richard Schiff was on towards like the end of the series, um, he came on for an episode like in season seven and pretty much explained that like the reason Toby got written out and done so dirty is because he was having a personal spat with the writers over something. Mm -hmm. And so they basically just took that out on him. And so it's just, it just, like, it's so passive aggressive. He wanted to leave. And so you're going to do that to get back at him. You're going to write him like this a way, like behavior. He has never shown us in 10 years. You're going to write him this way because he wanted to leave. Well, and the thing is, I don't, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's them taking it out on Jesse. I don't think you can make that, but cause Jesse seemed, you know, Jesse was still around this year directing. I feel mm -hmm. like, I, I don't think you can go so far as to make that claim, but I will say like, if the writers didn't find out until later, you know, that Jesse was leaving and they had to kind of throw together 1003 quicker than, you know, that wasn't obviously their original plan. Maybe they thought it was going to happen later. I mean, we'll never know, but like, so maybe they, I can get by with them being like, okay, 1003 was kind of just hastily thrown together and whatever. 
but you could have also done something completely different. Like, yeah, I get it. You may not have had time to plan exactly what you wanted to out and like maybe write the most perfect goodbye for Jay. But like, you then don't have to keep the disgrace going. You could have, like I said, you could have killed him in 1003. Like you could have done all these other things. And yeah, it still would, it all would have sucked. Like Jay leaving, whether he got killed, whether he went to Bolivia, however they would have done it, it would have sucked. But like, I just think there are just so many other ways they could have done it. Even if it would have had been hastily thrown together. I just think there are other ways they could have done it. And I don't think they still needed to keep dragging Jay through the mud. And I get it. You have to wrap up the Upstead stuff at some point. Like, I get that they had to bring him back up at some point because you didn't kill him. So, like, you have to bring up the fact that they're still married. But, like... Again, I just think there are other ways to go about it at this point. Yeah, a thousand percent. It just, it really sucks to see what they've done with the memory of such a beloved character. They didn't have to do that. I just want to know why. I really just want to know why. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll never know. Maybe in like whenever PD dies or whenever there's enough time removed, maybe we'll eventually find out. But like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I just, like I said, at this point, I really just wish they would have killed him. Would we still be in the pod if they killed Hawkins and Jay in the same night? I don't know. I mean, yes, I think so, but like, yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. So, it's hard. Well, it's really hard it's really hard so she's been training at night with torres at least she's doing something but also she doesn't want to be home so like it's just it's just so sad that like everywhere this girl turns she's just not comfortable in the places she once called safe yeah well and the fact well two things one the fact that she still wants to i mean i guess she's still married to jay it's up until the mm -hmm arguably till the end of this episode we don't know what what that means really but she's still married today so I guess she wouldn't move out of her house move out of their place but like she should have at this point like she doesn't want to be there so she should have at least just faded it under a cover apartment gone to live with someone else whatever but like also the fact that Torres seems to be the only one that recognizes that something is wrong with her and he's been here two seconds that was the other thing too okay like Torres was like hey guys something's wrong and Burzik strolled in like no big deal and Adam was like maybe she just had her phone off and she's having a couple beers yeah well we'll get yeah we'll get there in a second but it's just like Torres I mean and granted Torres is happy to just train and you know build you know he's so new that he's happy to kind of just do whatever and it's something that he enjoys, but like the fact that he only he's the only one that recognizes that like maybe something's not right. It's just I don't know. That was kind of I'm glad he did because somebody needed to, but the fact that it was Taurus was just kind of like okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in a way, Taurus misses Jay too, right? But not even or not no, yeah. I, like I think Taurus misses Jay too, but like the thing is Taurus and Jay. For as deep as their connection got, they barely had time to build it. 
Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it was a deep connection, but they really didn't have enough time. You know, it really didn't last that long, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 So um, we, you know, she's going to the gym. She's sparring with Torres every night. And there's a montage of like, you know, she gets off work. Jay calls. They talk. She goes to the bar. That's great. Until, of course, Jay stops answering her calls. Yep. Because this version of Jay is an asshole. Yep. Yep. And Haley even says it to the phone. She leaves a voicemail. She's like, you need more time. I gave you that. I want you to have your space. I want you to have whatever you need, but I do want to know when you're coming back, if you're coming back. Let's just also, let's just also go back to the scoreboard here. So Jay did not talk to her about Bolivia. Jay made that choice without her and then just told her, didn't ask her, his wife for any input. He just did it and told her. And still after all of that, Haley has the grace and the patience to give him time and give him space. Yeah. She doesn't have a problem with anything he did. She just wishes he would talk to her about it. That's literally it. She should have a problem with what he did. Yeah, she should. But I'm just saying Haley is such a freaking angel queen that like she literally doesn't have a problem with what he did. He just wishes he would talk to her about it. They literally just threw the baby out with the bathwater and it, it begs a different question too because he literally and i i have not watched 1003 and i won't i will never watch that episode but my understanding is that he left because he felt like he was becoming too much like boy yeah and so instead of leaving the unit he left the unit and his wife i keep thinking a lot about the way aaron left after the end of season four and the way that jay left and like the way that Aaron left her relationship with Jay, although they weren't technically together, but whatever, we're called, whatever that it was. And then the way that Jay left Haley. And I know we used to give a lot of shit to Aaron about like, she ghosted him. I can't believe she did that. Like, what the fuck? And I still think that was not a great choice. But the more I keep thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? I can give a little bit more props to Aaron because... Aaron ghosted a because she was being selfish and it was better for her but also like I think in some ways to protect Jay and like they weren't in a they weren't even really together at that point but like they definitely weren't engaged or married so it didn't really matter but I just keep thinking about it I'm like the way that Jeff Jay left Haley is so much worse than the way that Aaron left Jay and you know what I'm like Aaron it wasn't like in revisionist history I'm like not as bad not as bad no, I mean, no I, just keep th- I just kept thinking, and granted, it's hard to compare because, like I said, Jay left his wife, but I just keep thinking, I just kept thinking a lot about that today. And I was like, hmm. And the thing that absolutely wrecks me is that Haley was vulnerable with him from the beginning. She was like, Look, here's my history. Okay. I have an abusive dad, I don't trust men. I have a really hard time with all of this. And if I tell you that I love you, I'm worried that you're either going to punch me or leave. Right. Yeah. And Jay's response to all of that was, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. He made it okay for her to open up to him. He basically created that safe space for her and then took it away. Well, and how long did it take Haley to even get to that point? Exactly. Like even not even just in a romantic sense, but in like a friend sense, like it took her forever to even like tell Jay anything just even on like a partner level so like the fact that now even if she were to get a new partner like they say they were to bring someone into new to intelligence you know whatever like 
even not even in a romantic sense of just in like strictly work partnership it's gonna take her forever and then some to open up to someone new if she does it all i wouldn't blame if her she if does she does it all did. but i'm saying like if it took her that long with jay like jay just jay ruined i mean that sounds terrible but like jay in a lot of ways ruined Haley's growth that we've seen over the last five however long it's been five years mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and these are all thoughts that we were going to share at the end but we're there why the fuck not we're doing whatever we want tonight yeah hey guys yeah it just he he manipulated her like and that probably wasn't the intent but you know you look back on all the happy moments of like you came you asked me to or like i'm really not going anywhere Haley. really i'm not and like marry me now and all of that he created the space for her to feel safe and then just yanked it from her how is she ever supposed to trust anyone ever again well and the thing is and i've seen a lot of chatter about like is jesse ever gonna come back like is jay gonna make another appearance like you know and I don't think if it were to happen, it's I don't think it's happening this year. But like, I don't know if I want like, I don't know if Jay were to come back tomorrow or, you know, even next season, season 10, season 11, Jesus, season 11. Like, I don't know if there's any repairing this. Like, even if yeah. they were like, I just don't know, like the damage is so done. And that was going back to our point of like, I wish they would have just rather killed him because like the damage is done at this point. Like, I don't know if Jay would ever come back that I could ever get back on board with the upset relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm completely Especially because I just feel like I know that the grovel Jay would need to do to get back in my good graces. And I feel like Haley's good graces. They're never going to show because of their episode structure. Like, I think on some other shows where you see there's a little more consistency and you see the, you know, sort maybe you could get there just because I feel like you could see then Jay grovel every episode of like, you know, and really do that grovel justice. But I just don't think they could ever do it because of the way they structure their episodes. So like, right. I just don't know if Jay were to come back. I don't know if I want him to come back. Well, honestly. That's, that's another reason why they should have just killed him because at this point in the game, Jesse, if Jesse's looking at this right now and he's seeing what they've done to Jay, why the hell would he ever want to come back? Yeah. Why? So if yeah. the goal was to make him never come back, then you should have just killed him. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. I, it's, it's infuriating. And granted, they're not really one to really bring characters back anyway. Exactly. Still, exactly. it's just like, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know. And I'm not going to say never say never, but like, I don't know. I don't think I could. No, I, I mean, if he were to come back, I would definitely be like, okay, but also like, don't you dare come within 20 feet of Haley. Yeah. And I feel, cause like, obviously, and that's not Jesse's fault either. Like if Jesse wanted to come back, I'd also be like, Jesse, come back. We miss you. Like, I'd also have that reaction too. Cause I do feel like that in some regards, but it's also like, so it's not Jesse's fault, but it's, I, I just don't know. And that sucks because, I mean, you and I know, like, Jay was one of the characters that when we, but when I first met you on Twitter 20 bajillion years ago, whatever it was, like, Jay was one of the first things, like, when I started watching, I was like, okay, but Jay, like, you know, like, 
that was like our common point was Jay, you know, we both love Jay and it just sucks that we're here. It really fucking sucks. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. And it's yeah. like, like, and, and saying it hurts doesn't even describe how much it hurts. Yeah. yeah just. Yeah. Like I said, Jesse leaving was always going to hurt regardless. Um, just like every other major character exit has hurt regardless of who and what it was. Mm -hmm. um, but this really sucks. And Jay did what he did. Jay going to Bolivia to like distance himself and like leaving the unit is one thing, but leaving your wife and not even like discussing it with her, that's not love. Yeah. That's not love. Yeah. And how dare you do this to a woman who you know has all sorts of trust issues and spent multiple seasons getting to the point where she could trust you and tell you how much she loves you. Yep. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. It just. Haley deserves better than everything she has been being given right now. Yeah. I look, I thousand percent agree. Makes me so mad. So, so mad. So. The next night rolls around and instead of going to spar with Torres, she gets a call and it's from, so her phone lights up and it says Lee. And then in parentheses, it says Halstead's guy. Answer. Answer. Yeah. So um, she answers and she goes to meet this guy and he's one of Jay's old CIs. And yeah, so she gets out of the car and he's like, you're the wife. And she's like, I'm Detective Upton. Hi. I did. I did like the fact that she doesn't say yeah i'm jay's wife like she was like no i'm detective upton like mm -hmm. you know she's like right now she doesn't feel like jay's wife so she's not gonna say she you know like that's not what she's feeling like right now she's like no i'm detective upton i thought that was very interesting that they made yeah. that point and i yeah i kind I of think about that, that. Yeah. yeah like she doesn't say no yeah i'm jay's wife she says no i'm detective upton mm -hmm. yeah so he basically says he needs her help and then they immediately get attacked because Haley cannot exist in this world without getting attacked, apparently. Nope. Neither can no. Kim. Neither can Kim. Nope. Nope. Just rules of thumb, you know, never turn your life around in one Chicago and never be a woman on Chicago PD. Yep. Pretty much. Of course, I'm out for Nadia, too. Ooh. Yeah. Different time. Different world. Um, but yeah. Man. Everything hurts. Uh, Yes. Yeah. But they both get attacked and dragged away and Haley wakes up chained to a sink because it's just a normal Wednesday for Haley. Mm -hmm. I am begging the PD writers to do something different with the female characters. Yeah. And I don't know what that looks like because I'm not a writer, so I don't have any suggestions, but y'all are the writers, so you can come up with something different. And right now, at this very moment, you go strike your butts off, fight for your rights. We're talking about after that. Yeah, we're talking about in the summer when you guys hopefully are done and you get the money you deserve to get yes. and you're yes. back working. We're talking about a world where the strike is over if it ends. And you guys have gotten your money. Yes, that. Yeah, so Torres is, you know, Haley doesn't show, so Torres gets worried because he hasn't heard from her in like an hour. So he goes back to the 21st and everybody's just so chill. 
Platt's just, what are you doing here? And she, he's like, where's Haley? And she, she's like, I don't know. And then Voight comes down and he's like, have you heard from Haley? And she, he's like, no, everybody's just super chill. I did like towards this little comment, like when Platt's like, well, maybe she got tired of wiping the floor with you. And he's like, nah, she didn't get tired of that. Like, I thought that was very funny. Towards it's like, funny. Towards, like, she didn't beat me. It's fine. Like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not gonna put, I'm, I love Haley, but no. I love it. She didn't beat my ass. That's I thought funny. that was funny. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, he mentioned he's like, the cell, her cell is off. She's not at her place. I already ran by there. Her car is not there. I've checked off all the boxes. Like, something's fucking wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah. And now intelligence is like, oh, something, yeah, we should probably check that. Something's probably bad. Yeah. And so back in the bathroom, Haley has nothing, no phone, no gun, no badge, nothing. So great. So yeah, she tells Lee, she's like, you cannot say that I'm a cop because if you do that, this episode is over. Yeah. So we're don't fucked. do that. Yeah. I was never worried about Haley because I knew she was going to find her way out, but like, I didn't need to see all of it. Yeah didn't need to see the severed hand did not need to see the axe did not need to see her bleeding everywhere no, didn't need we, to see lee die in front of her eyes this is one of those episodes where like i wish we had spent more time like yeah we needed to see a little bit of Haley, you know suffering and kidnapped or whatever but like i wish we had spent more time with intelligence trying to solve the case this was like reverse we spent like 80 percent of the time with Haley and lee and 20% of t- with time with intelligence trying to solve the case. And I wish it had just been reversed. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally an hour of Haley getting her ass beat. Yep. That's not the PD I know and love. Yep. So done. Yeah. So Haley finally gets free a little bit because of course she does. Um, but she still can't get like the makeshift handcuffs off. But like, again... All of this stuff, I was like, she's going to find her way out. Like, I'm not really worried about that. So yeah. these guys come back in, back in. She tries to beat them. They pull a gun on her. So um, then, because again, we're just in escalating violence. And by this point, it's maybe like 10 after 10. We're barely into this episode. And one of the other guys pulls a pipe on her and starts beating her with it. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, it's one thing for them to like pull a gun. Okay, fine. We see that every week with somebody like that's not the end of the world to me but like yeah then the guy pulls the pipe and I was like oh Jesus Christ like, this really? is not necessary no it's not it's really not okay like you turn on the news every day and there's horrible shit happening okay the latest mass shooting in this country happened 30 minutes from my house okay yeah I do not need to be watching the shows that I consider comfort to mm-hmm. see more violence yep it's not helping nope pd got me through one of the hardest times of my life when i had surgery and eight years ago i can't math okay and it was a comfort it was an escape this show is not that to me anymore no no i'm not here to watch my favorite characters be brutally injured every week while my other favorite characters have fled the country and ghosted their wives Mm-hmm. it's not why i'm here it's not and yeah this episode was really hard just a reminder we both feel really shitty tonight so you're just getting us like prime in our feels 
Well, and PD just is making me, re- I mean, like by the end of this episode, I will be all up in my uh, Hannah and Archer happy feels. So like, I will turn it around at some point, but like right now I just have a lot of PD feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Again, it's like 10 after 10 at this point. So they put her next to Lee and they pulled the gun on him. Okay. So apparently this Lee guy had stolen 50K from them and they just want it back and Lee won't give up where it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Also, the underlying theme of betrayal through this whole episode and the parallel to Jay, it, like, my heart hurts. Yeah. It sucks. It's like, on the one hand, it is good writing. Like, I did appreciate the parallels. But on the other hand, I'm like, it makes me more angry because of the actual betrayal. So it's like, from a writing standpoint, I'm like, kudos to the writers because I do think that was, like, very smart. And I did pick up on that. But then it's also like, makes me angry at the same time it why why was this the choice why yeah was the plan always to ruin him I don't know and I like again I feel like if they weren't gonna kill off Jay I understand that basically right now they kind if by not killing off Jay they kind of back themselves into the a corner with the upset relationship and they were always gonna have to do something with it I, I I honestly would have rather Haley just come to the realization on her own and like her just like send him divorce papers or something like there's just I feel like other ways I would have rather them handled it mm-hmm. that what isn't this right rather than Haley just kind of like pining still after her husband who's just like gone now yeah like I wish Haley had been or they had written Haley I should say because I do believe Haley is this way like she, I wish they had written Haley as strong enough to come to that realization on her own and not be told, not basically, I wish Haley had had Voight's realization on her own and come to that conclusion before it was like forced upon her and she had just like done it herself, Mm -hmm. but we'll get there. Yeah. So at this point, now the team returns because, you know, they've sounded the alarm and this is where Berserk rolls up and like. Adam's so chill. He's like, she probably turned her phone off and she's having some beers. The horse is like, I already checked there. She's not. And I was like, dude. He's like, I checked every bar in the city. Like, Adam, I love you, Adam. But no, like, no, right. Like, yeah. If the end of season, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm like, if he hadn't rolled up to that scene immediately after Kim had been taken, would he just be like, Tim's probably fine. She probably went back to the 21st or something. No. Yeah. No. Well, and then Kim's the one who brings up like the elephant in the room. She's like, well, what if it has to do with Jay? Like we literally, they, it's like they have never mentioned Jay in 20 episodes, basically. And He's Torres probably is like, like the taboo word in the bullpen. Well, this is what I said. It's like the yeah. elephant in the room and Torres is like, well, Jay's out of communication for two days. I tried. And he's like, I don't think they're doing that well. And I was like, yeah, that's the understatement of the century. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. So they find where her phone last pinged and they go check it out so they go they find her car her gun her badge there's blood on the sidewalk all great they find a traffic cam nearby so they go check out the footage and dragged away so they're they're piecing together the the pieces pretty quickly but like not pretty quickly because this episode felt like it was like four hours yeah because we spent so much time in the fucking bathroom so much time and i i literally like the minute this episode started knowing what it was about i was like i don't want to do this i don't want to do this 
I know exactly nope. what the next hour is going to be. And I don't want to do this. Yeah. So much so that at the end of every act, I was like, what time is it? What time is it? Oh my God. We still got this much more to go. Yeah. Last night I was like ready for, I'm not normally ready for PD to be done, except for if I'm usually tired and I'm just like ready to go to bed, but I'm not normally episode wise ready for, like, I was so ready for it to be done last night. I was like, why can I not be tired right now? Like, why am I not halfway asleep already? Yeah, I was surprised you made it the whole three hours on the FaceTime. Yeah, I somehow did. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. So then back in the bathroom, because, you know, we're just chilling in the bathroom this episode. Haley asks Lee why he needed the money. And he doesn't answer, but she figures it out because she's Haley and she's smart AF. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's like, wait, you're pretty fun. Like, that's what you're doing. Okay. So the guys come back. Haley starts fighting them, telling them, you know, we can get the money. We can get the money. So they take her out and put her in the closet while they wait for it. They chop off Lee's hand. Mm-hmm. You had that on your one Chicago bingo card this week. You probably won bingo. Yeah. Why? 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 Well, and the fact like, it's not even like we just heard it happen, right? But you got, I mean, granted, it wasn't like they were like zooming in close up of the hand, but like they picture the shot so that you kind of see it happen. It's like you're mainly looking at the closet, but then over on the side is the bathroom door opening. And so you can kind of see a little bit of it happening. And I'm like, even that tiny little bit is just too much. Like it would have been one thing if you just heard it happening from like the other room, but like, I don't, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see it ridiculous yeah so they bring Haley back in and that's when she sees the severed hand in the bathtub this is not like this is not a mafia movie this is network tv at chicago pd like this is not what should be airing this is not what i want to see hbo no no yeah and so they're just like okay well wake lee wake him up long enough to tell them like tell us where the cash is otherwise you're next so Mm -hmm. all right so back at the 21st, the video is way too grainy for them to make out anything or use any facial rec. And so Torres, thank God for Torres in this entire episode. Like, yeah, dude. But, yeah. It's just like, oh, again, the new guy who's been here two seconds. If he wasn't here. And we're at least, it, let's be honest, at least it's an episode where Torres is actually there because he never, he's like not there half the time anymore, but at least Torres was actually there this week. This show is killing me. This show is absolutely killing me. If Torres hadn't been there, this would have been like a two-parter extending into the finale. This would have been the finale. This would have been the finale. Yeah. It would have been a three-part. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Good Lord. So yeah, so Torres looked at Haley's cell records and she had gotten a call from Lee who was once JCI. So they piece yeah. that together. So they start running Lee's history. They go to his girlfriend's place and we go back to the bathroom. Again. Again. So Lee finally wakes up. He's freaking out, which like, yeah, I would too if I was in a random bathroom and didn't have a fucking hand. Yeah. Well, yeah. And my whole thing is like, not that again that thought that was the first priority the first priority is getting out but i'm surprised Haley made no mention once the hand was gone about like making sure lee got to the hospital like the hand's just gone and she's just like we got to get out of here but like not like oh we got to get out of here so i can get you to the hospital 
I mean, like surviving she just was probably like, the first order of business. You no, know, I know, but she's just like ties the shoe string or whatever it is around him, and she's there's like never a mention of like hospital. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm surprised he didn't just bleed out. Yeah, like, I'm I was, surprised. I was, I was just more concerned. I was like, oh, he's just not gonna, like he's gonna bleed out. They cut off his hand mm-hmm. with a fucking axe. With an axe. Some yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah. So Lee's like disoriented as most of us would be if we were missing a whole ass appendage. But all he keeps saying, he's like, I just wanted to save us. I just wanted to save us. Why wouldn't you just tell me? I can't let anything happen to her. Yeah, I get that. I just want to save us. With the money. If I got the money, she'd come back to me. So is the parallel here that if Haley just keeps talking to Jay, he'll want to come back? Interesting. I didn't think about, but I, I guess that, like, I and I think the parallel is that, like, Haley keeps talking to Jay because she's trying to save their marriage. She's trying to save what little is there, but at the same time, it's not worth trying to save. No. No. But the way this woman has to, she has to give 200% at all times to anyone and everything just to keep them in her life. Yeah. It's so unfair. Yeah makes me really angry just makes me really really angry because like you know jay was the ultimate jay was the one who was like i'm not like the others i'm not going to do this to you and then he did it to her yeah no wonder she throws herself into work because it's the only constant Mm -hmm. kills me okay uh brian take it from here please Okay, so Intelligence brings in Lee's girlfriend for questioning, and she's just like, you know, typical uh, person. She's just like, I'm not going to be involved. I'm not giving you anything, you know, blah, 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 whatever. But she does mention, which we already knew that, like, Lee's an addict. She's like, it wouldn't be the first time he relapsed and did something stupid, but she's like, that's not on me. I'm like, okay, lady, whatever. So we go back to the bathroom and the guys come back and Lee tells them that he hid the money and he'll take him there. But they grab Haley instead because they're just like over these games or whatever. So they grab Haley and they're like, okay, we're going to cut off your hand. Do you want the right or the left? And I was like, Jesus Christ. I had a quick, like a millisecond where I was like, season 11 would be interesting if she was missing a hand. (laughs) I shook out of that pretty quickly. I was like, oh, you just... Yeah, swarp sense of humor, that's all. Um, so they're about to cut off her hand, and Lee body slams one of the guys. So basically it throws them off from he saves Haley. And so they get in this fight, they have a little squabble, whatever. Um, the guy ends up one of the guys ends up like pinning Lee against the wall and like shooting him in the stomach and killing him. 
So, so if you're at- keeping score, if you're keeping score of what Haley has seen all in one night, okay, she's been attacked, she's been knocked unconscious, she watched somebody lose their hand, she watched somebody die right in front of her. Um, what else has happened? She's been beaten. All of yeah. this in one night. So like, no wonder she's training with Torres to help her sleep at night. Yeah. So as Lee's dying and Haley's like basically holding his hand as he dies, she he tells Haley that she like he starts mumbling. And he tells Haley that she spent it and he doesn't have it, basically talking about the money. So now Haley's like, oh, fuck. Like, Haley is just left in such a shitty situation. She, They have no money and, you know, Lee's gone. So Haley thinks on her feet and she tells the guys that she's like, I know where the money is and, like, I'll take you there. Because they're like, oh, well, you just tell us where it is now. And she's like, no, if I tell you where it is now, you're just going to kill me right here. So, like, I'll take you there. You let me go. And we both win. So we're back at the 21st and they're still like, they're hitting some dead walls or they like, can't find anything else. They Kevin finally finds something. They basically find that this connection is a Mark Vincente who basically sent Lee's girlfriend a DM on Instagram. He knows Lee too. He's Lee's dealer. And so basically they're like, okay, this is our guy. So, of course, they, like, go ask Jessica about him, and she's still being, like, shady, and she's like, I don't know who that is, blah, blah, blah. And Voight's, like, Voight threatens her, and she finally is, you know, gives them the info they need or whatever. So then Mark's car pops on a traffic cam near an abandoned motel, so they go check it out, and they find Lee's body, but, of course, no Haley. But what they do find, and I missed this on the first watch. I missed this last night. But they find the note in the blood that says home. Mm-hmm. So they basically are able to figure out, they're like, okay, well, they, Haley's taking him back to her house. Like, she left, you know, even when it seems like Haley is stuck and she says she's like, I don't know what to do. She still comes up with, she's still a genius and she's mm-hmm. still really good at her job and she knows what to do. Yep. So... Basically, they're on their way to Haley's house. Like, they're basically setting up camp outside of there, but they get a call, or Voight gets a call from someone else in PD that their car was spotted, or Mark's car was spotted going the opposite direction from Haley's house, just a couple blocks away. So they go after the car. Like, they're basically leaving their post and going to, after the car. So they have Haley in the trunk at one point, and Haley, again, is a freaking genius, and she gets herself free and she goes into the back seat she very quietly doing so she uses her shoestring to choke mark and she starts like as she's trying to choke mark who's driving she starts fighting the other guy like with her foot mark loses control of the car and crashes and we've got like a bloody i'm surprised Haley's not dead but like the other two it seems like are at this point one guy went through the windshield Mm-hmm. And Haley somehow survives. She starts crawling out of the car. And as she's crawling away, trying to fend for her life, Mark is alive and he gets her. He starts wrestling with her. And he literally is about to choke her to death, but she ends up stabbing him and he dies. Don't forget the gratuitous spraying of the blood all over yes, her. Yes, yes. How could I have forgotten that? Because we weren't traumatized enough. Again, actual trauma porn. And then, of course, intelligence finds her, yada, 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 yada. But, like, 
I hate watching that. I again outlining this was so hard. I did not want to rewatch this scene. I honestly kind of like, especially because there was no dialogue I needed to really pay attention to. I was like scrolling. I was like, nope, we're skipping a little bit. Like, I can't watch this again. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. This episode was it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. So we're back in the 21st and Boy and Haley have a little chat. You called Jay? No. He's still out of the wire for another 12 hours. He's not even going to know I was gone. You know, it is okay to let go if you're the only one fighting. Doesn't mean you don't love him. Just means you love you too. I never thought I would say this, but Voight was 100% right in this situation. I just hate that it came from him. I don't mind that it came from him. Because, I mean... It didn't, it wasn't going to matter whoever it came from. It's the truth, right? It just. Go ahead. It breaks me. Like, it just breaks me. And it makes me really emotional. Because, like, imagine giving yourself to another human and you're pledging to spend the rest of your life with him and everything. And he goes and betrays you like that to the point that she just went through one of the most traumatic nights of her life. And all she has to say for it is he's not even going to know that I was gone. Yeah. It's so fucked. It's really fucked. He's not even going to know that I was gone. You're just vibing in Bolivia while your wife is being fucking tortured. Yep. It just breaks me. Like, and the deeper thing here too, I mean, again, I had all all day to think about this, is that like, does Haley feel loved at all? I don't know. I don't know. Is everybody who comes into her life that she cares about leaves? Yeah. Including Jay. So no wonder she dives into work and she throws herself into it because she knows for certain that those people care about her. I think the only person you could argue, and granted, we haven't seen enough of this relationship, but the little bit of like from backstory and things we got, I think the only argument you could make is maybe Platt. Yeah. Given. Yeah. But like, and my, kind of going back to my point of like, I wish this wasn't Voight, but it almost had to be Voight that told her is because Voight's the only relationship they've developed with Haley outside of Jay. Like, again, we're kind of a little bit of Torres and like we had like the one or two Burgess scenes. Okay, fine. But like, I know people were like, I wish it had been Burgess. At this point, I wish it would have been anyone else. Like, I wish it had been Platt because that's the only, you know, that would have been really interesting to see Platt tell her this. But like, it had to be Voight because Voight's the only relationship they've developed with Haley. So like going back to your point of like, is Haley love? Yeah, sure. I'm sure everyone else in intelligence loves Haley. I have no doubt that they do, but we just don't see it. So like you're sitting here questioning whether someone loves Haley, but like, we just don't know because 
we don't see it. I have no doubt that intelligence loves her, but being no, I know it's a different. It's feeling a different, that you're loved yeah. are two different things. No, I know. And again, it, it it's hard on a show like this the way that, again, and I know we harp on this a lot, but like the way they have it structured because we just we don't know, and because PD has really like if this was a situation that was happening on fire, I don't you know. Fire very much has, like, the found family, you know, like, every. I definitely believe that everyone in Firehouse 51 feels loved, whether, you know, their romantic relationships aren't working out or whatever, but, like, they have that 51 family that they know they can go to and feel loved by. Intelligence doesn't feel like that, so even though I have no doubt that Intelligence loves Haley, I can understand what you're saying because, like, we just don't see, like, I don't know that she feels it. That's not their vibe, and I get that, but it's just, like, I don't know. I don't know. Because the one, like you said, the one person she used to know for sure she could feel loved by has now left. And I don't know and that, why it resonates with me like that. It just does. No, it, it, it's true, though. Uh, crying on the podcast. Okay. I don't know. It just makes me really sad. You care about these characters, right? Like... It's been 10, yeah, it's been 10 years. It's been almost six years of the podcast. Like, I mean, it's been a long time. Oh. It's okay. And this is what happened in the group chat last night too, so. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to I just things. feel so bad for her because like she has to fight so hard to keep the people she cares about around in her life. And even then it's not enough. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to the end yet. Yeah. So Haley basically goes back home, you know, after this terrible shift that she just had. She goes to the bathroom. She's like washing herself off. And of course, she like sees Jay stuff still sitting on the bathroom counter right where he left it because he left in such a fucking hurry. And she basically, the episode ends, and she goes, and she sits on the couch, and she's, like, playing with the wedding ring, and then she ultimately takes it off. She listens to Voight, and, you know, she's basically decided she's going to let go. Um, and we don't really know what that means, you know, like, is she just taking it off? Like, I guess she, at this point she's decided she doesn't want to be married, but we, I mean, we don't really know what that means just beyond the fact that she took off the ring, but, um, yeah. It's and that's the episode. Voight's line of just saying, you know, it's okay to let go if you're the only one fighting. Yeah. Why? It just, again, I mean, it just circles back to the question, why? Why did they do this to Jay? Yeah. Just doesn't make sense. I will say, though, and I know a lot of Upstead fans are really hurt, and I I get it. Trust me, I'm right there with you guys. But the one thing from Voight's line I really do appreciate, and the fact that it just means you love you, too, like, I am glad that Haley is finally putting herself first. Yeah. And, like, I know it's hard to watch her taking off the ring. Like, I get it. This is not anyone's ideal situation, especially as an Upstead fan. But the one thing I can take solace in is that Haley's finally putting herself first. And, like, if she is going to choose to move on or whatever she's going to – whatever this means – I'm just glad she's she did listen to Boy, and she is she lo- she's loving herself first, and she's putting herself first because that's really what we like. That's Haley needed to do that. She needed to do it a long time ago, but she needed to do that. 
And that's why, that's why I don't mind that it came from, because she needed the reminder regardless of who it was from, because she was never going to put herself first. She never does. Yeah. And so, I mean, regardless of who it came from, it was going to be the truth either way. And so, and it's a reminder that like, yeah, as fucked up as the Voight and Haley relationship is, it's totally fucked up. Don't get me wrong on that. But at the end of the day, I do think Hank really does care about her and does want what's best for her. Yeah. So that doesn't bug me. I know it bugged a lot of people, but it was the truth. Just Yeah, no, like I said, I, it, not what, it, the, it's the fact that, you know, just when you really think about it and it's like, the fact that it more had to be Voight because Voight's the only person we ever see Haley interact with outside of Jay. So mm-hmm. like there really was no other choice of it had to be Voight. I like said, I don't mind that it was Voight himself, really. It was more just like, oh, there was no other person they could have done because Haley has no relationships outside of Voight and Jay. That was more my frustration with it, not the fact that it was actually Voight himself. I am just begging the writers after you get what you want through the strike, which is going to happen, manifesting it. After you get what you want and you sit down to brainstorm season 11, please give us anything different than this. Please. Well, and the thing that I hope we get from season 11, because again, we know basically at this point, like we're not getting, this is the end of Haley for season 10. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, next week's Torres and then the finale is uh, Adam. But I'd hope at some point that like if Kim can eventually go to therapy, but like, I hope that we really see Haley continuing to put herself first and fight for herself and love herself. And like, even if it's not necessarily the first episode back in the season, like, I hope that we see Haley continue to put herself first and really work on herself, even if it is just one scene in an episode, like, because it's important. And I think him... Well, you know, the thing that I loved about what Kim's storyline is, it's like, yeah, you can think you're okay, but you're really not. And like, that's what Haley this whole time is like, yeah, it's okay. Like, Jay's just gone and it's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, we're fine. And like, as long as we talk about it, it's still fine. And it's not that. And I think Haley really needs what Kim got this season for herself. Mm-hmm. So really the chance to work through it, because now we can see that Kim came out of it on this other side. She's still working on herself. But Kim has really come out of it on the other side happy for the first time in a long time. And Haley deserves the same and thing. And Haley deserves the same thing. She's been through, I mean, very differently, but also very similarly, the same thing. And Haley deserves the same thing. So I think if we're going to eventually get to back to a version of happy Haley, I don't know. We've never seen like a totally happy Haley, except for the brief few seconds that she and jay were married in the very beginning but like if we're gonna get back to that point like Haley needs to work on her continue to work on herself and i would just hope we get maybe a therapy scene or two that would be I'm very nice a, to see i'm at a point now that i think going forward if they do more of these episodes where it's a bottle episode and somebody gets kidnapped and they're missing the whole time if it's Haley and kim i'm gonna skip it yeah i can't i don't like it I don't like this at all. And again, all. I don't necessarily want to see, like, Adam kidnapped either. Like, that's not what I want either. But it's just, like, and this sounds terrible. Like, there's no easy way to say this. But it's, like, if you're going to torture one person on a show like this, I feel like you should torture them all. <laughs> and I, that sounds terrible. To say. opportunity tormenting. And again, I don't want to see any of them tortured. That's not my point. But, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, like... You can't just do it to the women and us not be like, what the fuck? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that sounds terrible to say, but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got some listener thoughts. And by some, I mean, we got a lot of listener thoughts. Yeah. The group chat today, our patron group chat has also been popping about this situation. Oh yeah. Like oh, popping. Yeah. So Heather B said, honestly, I liked that she reached the place to take off her ring. Maybe it means the end of traumatizing her for the sake of traumatizing her. Can't believe I'm saying this, but Voight's right. She needs to love herself in this moment and do what's best for her, even if that means distancing herself from the love of her life. And also that they symbolically cut off Lee's hand, which is the hand your wedding ring goes on. And he literally let himself killed for someone who wasn't putting effort into his relationship, which parallels the strife Haley's been putting herself through this season, where we only see her trying to reach out to Jay and getting nothing but heartache in return. Stop drawing these parallels. You're killing me. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. I did notice the one where like somebody pointed out that she took off the ring in the same spot where Jay said, marry me. Mm. I didn't notice I'm that. doing it again. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wasn't going to cry. And now like you just said that and I'm like, holy shit. I can't like. <laughs> okay. Oh, I know. <laughs> Uh, okay where was i she also ends up trying to staunch the flow of his bleeding chest wound which i'm sure is how she feels about her own pain she's been hemorrhaging emotionally all season all of that and the fact that she saved herself with absolutely no help from anyone shows just how strong and badass Haley is as a character and it was a fantastic episode for tracy to once again showcase her tremendous talent sorry i can't see <laughs> okay I, yeah i know i'm like i'm gonna go grab my tissues hold on a second I'm good. I promise. <laughs> All right. We're doing great. We're doing great. <laughs> okay. The moment she goes from playing along to get, or yeah, the moment she goes from playing along to get both she and Lee out of there alive to when Lee dies and she realizes she has to get herself out. Tracy flips the switch and she goes from victim Haley to the strongest person in the room, even though she's the one tied up and it's amazing to see her acting. And then she says, here's the problem I've had since the first episode this season. This feels like it's probably wrapping up the Epstead storyline, and I'm glad, because to me, they've dropped the ball in it all season and dug themselves deeper and deeper in the wrong direction with their off-screen characterization of Jay. Hey, they could have a big plan here, and I'll put my clown mask on if they somehow reverse this in my mind later, but for right now, I'll say it. The way they've written Jay's character from the beginning of the season has been bullshit, and it makes it hard to stay in the narrative while I'm watching because it doesn't feel like a decision Jay would make, and with him being off-screen, I can't apply it to him. I can't get past the fact that this was a creative decision and not one the character they created would make. To me, good fiction keeps you within the story so completely that you don't think about the creator. Yeah. As the tears are just flowing down my face, I'm great. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's not that it was badly written. She goes on. It was actually well written, but for a different character. There's nothing in the last 10 seasons of character building that would have us believe Jay would actually ghost Haley without a better reason. Season five, Jay, when he wanted to run away with Camilla, he had something of a reason that they build up to where for a minute, we actually thought he could do it. But his character's been through a lot since then. And he's also been through a lot with Haley as his partner and his girlfriend, then wife. No matter how well these episodes are written, they didn't give a good enough reason for Jay to react the way he has, not realistically. I can speculate that it may have had something to do with Anna because he felt like he should have protected her from what happened or that he wanted to be like Voight when he said in episode one of the season that he was fine and that he'd always be fine. 
but they didn't put enough on her screens for that to truly be canon and this catalyst for him ghosting her wasn't or wasn't something that should have been left to the white space they actually have done a good job of making us feel as confused about this as Haley. but the problem is that they built a character for 10 seasons and then had him act in a way that went against all of it Upset had to end with Jesse leaving. That was a given. But there were so many ways they could have done it that weren't out of character that it makes it all the more frustrating that they wrote him off like this. It's like if Harry Potter got to the point where he knew he had to sacrifice himself to defeat Voldemort and then ran away. Let me think about that. Okay. I was going to say, I don't understand that reference. Yeah, I know. I know that that's lost on you. (laughs) It didn't happen like that because for seven books, Harry was always the type to sacrifice himself or put himself in danger to protect his friends. A character is built to tell a story, but the character has to tell their story and not just a well-written one. And that's what I feel like they've been doing this season. I hope next season we get something for Haley besides just more trauma because it's gotten to the point of them just beating her down for the shock factor and it isn't even shocking anymore. As a fan, I want more for her character than that. Me as well. Yeah, Heather really uh, nailed it there. Yeah. She always does, but yeah. Um. Brianna F said, first off, I would just want to, I just want to applaud Tracy and her incredible performance last night. I felt every emotion she felt prop star girl. I'm in shock and disbelief at how they're handling Jay's departure. After 10 years of character development, we are left with a ghost of what feels like a man we never knew at all. Subtext with Haley being put in the situation because of JCI is not lost on me. The fact that Lee was willing to go through all of that for suffering for a woman who did not love him feels like a parallel to Haley and Jay at the moment which is just a slap in the face. Haley's comment at the end, he will never know I was gone, is beyond gut-wrenching. It really is, though. We get it. The relationship is one-sided, and Haley deserved to move forward with her life. But having Voight be the person who tells her to move on when he was the person who sent Jay on the downward spiral that led to this moment, cruel and unusual punishment are the words that come to mind. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy for Jesse and support his choice, but how this situation is playing out just feels wrong. Whether they were going to keep the characters together with Jay off screen or break them up completely, there's still a way to go about it that doesn't erase the history of Jay and Haley as a couple, as well as their individual stories that we have invested in. As viewers, we've watched Jay battle his PTSD from the army, go through his heartbreak when Aaron unexpectedly left with no warning. We watched Haley overcome her fear of commitment and the trauma of her past. I just lost my chair. Where people are always leaving her. I understand the characters need to go through struggles for how the sh- for the show to go on. But throwing it all in a one-hour block from her struggling to sleep and eat and communicate with her husband to struggling to survive, all as a lead-up for that final scene where she takes off her ring, not one glimpse of hope for the character or the relationship in sight, it was brutal. I honestly felt anxious and uncomfortable all night after the episode. Same. Yep. Yep. Brooke S. said, I'm sorry for the rant you're about to read through with this minimal lack of competent punctuation, but so many thoughts. Okay, first and foremost, let's get this out there, you guys. Never, ever apologize for sending us a long rant. Yeah. You can even just do it if you just want us to just, like, if you want to get it out, just tell us not to read it, but, like, you can just send it to us. No apologies. We don't do apologizing for existing on this podcast. We don't do that. No. Yeah. Okay, so... Brooke said, this first bunch are my speculations. First, fuck whoever got our hopes up for 0.5 seconds when Jay called and Haley answered with, hey, meaning that they've at least been talking somewhat and Haley seemed happy to get the call from her husband. Yes. Second, though he at least had the courtesy to let her know of the extension, he still wasn't willing to talk about it with her. She was again blindsided by another extension that he was only telling her about not discussing with her. Because this version of Jay is an asshole. Yep. Yep. 
Third, Jay's actions never gave any indication to Haley that he was going to come back at all. I can't imagine the feeling of worthlessness knowing my husband left me and won't even come home after his assignment, even for just a few weeks or months before taking on a new contract. I think that's the worst part. I think Haley would willingly be an army wife, but her husband just never came home between gigs. Yeah. Yeah, I I, do, I agree. I do think she would be an army wife. I can very much see that. If he'd given her the courtesy of you know talking to her about these things yep not that hard really yep. not that hard fourth at some point jay had to have talked to lee considering he got his army job resigned and left the country within about 24 hours that means that he likely had more conversation with lee than he did with Haley once he got to bolivia and he just put it all on Haley, likely without asking her because again he wouldn't talk to her for months that's true yeah i didn't think about that but like at some point he had to let Lee know that like, hey, you can talk to my wife. It'll be okay. Well, and in a, in a way you can argue that like everything Jay did after he left the country was him taking advantage of her. She stayed on his hook and he knew that she was going to do that. Specifically because yeah. he told her to. He told her to wait for him. Yeah. It's fucked. It's so fucked. Fifth, Lee only knew Haley as the wife, air quotes. My theory is that Jay knew Lee was in love with his girl, so he decided to tell him Haley was his wife as one last way to gain trust because they could connect over loving someone. What a slap in the face to Haley, both personally and professionally. You guys are landing these parallels that like I did not even see from 10 miles away, yeah. and it's killing me. Yeah. Okay. Sixth. Kind of pissed at the team for not taking Torres more seriously. I completely understand not wanting to jump to the worst case scenario, but it was so frustrating to hear that she might just be drowning her sorrows or something came up with Jay. This girl has worked her damn ass off and probably said very little about Jay for months. Take it seriously that something's wrong. Yeah. Me, I was, yeah, I was in the same boat there. Okay. As likely my last time ever discussing this, I just have to beat the dead horse one more time. They had multiple opportunities to make this right this episode. I completely understand the argument for not being able to have a character married off screen. However, I think it's a shitty argument right now because the only one Chicago couples that are happy this season are those in which we are only seeing one spouse. Second, if they want to keep Haley in character going forward, she's not going to be able to be with a guy. She had such trust issues and couldn't tell Jay she loved him because of her past. He took the trust and obliterated it. She will never trust again. And if she does, in my opinion, they will have changed Haley as much as they've changed Jay. There are only two ways this can go. One, we have a Camilla storyline with Haley as Jay. Or two, we have a Sylvie Dillon storyline on PD, meaning she's going to get with somebody who's unbelievably boring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But basically as a way to like, because, you know, which we'll, we'll get there, but like, oh, so yeah. he's basically at like self-medicating with Dylan. Like she's not willing to really get into her heartbreak and like rip open her wound even more so she can heal. So she's like, let's put a bandaid on it. Like I'm fine. And she's yeah. not fine. She's not fine. Yeah. Not fine. But that's what, I, very spot on. That would be what would happen. Yeah. Either way, it's not going to work. Third, since women can only have storylines involving men or getting hurt or dealing with mental trauma, having them be married off camera could still work. Imagine Jay being home, but Haley's struggling because Jay doesn't want to hear about her work and she struggles because she doesn't have an outlet. Or she's having trouble balancing work-life balance now that she doesn't spend all day with Jay as her partner. Or imagine Haley deals with her family. The only thing I see them doing is Haley still dealing with this or getting in a shitty relationship that's never going to work out anyway. 
It would be such a disservice to not only Haley as a character, but also Tracy having to play out the same script week after week. They're already doing Tracy a disservice, even though she's knocking it out of the park, the same thing week after week. And there's more. Okay. Last paragraph. What? The last paragraph. Okay. Okay. In reality, I understand, but I'm mourning a couple who I grew way too attached to. Hi, same. And absolutely did not get the ending or closure that either deserved. If I were Jesse, I would be so hurt knowing how they treated Jesse Spencer when he left and seeing how they wrecked Jay Halstead. I also just feel so bad for Haley. She not only lost her husband, but her best friend, coworker, partner, and the person, regardless of the romantic relationship, that could get her through to the next day. I can't imagine that, knowing that one half of your life has stayed the same, yet you're starting over with everything. Yeah. All of, all of that. I hate it here. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I mean, is there anything left to say about PD? No. I, and like, I feel, I, no, because I hated this episode, but, like, as much as I hated this episode and I never want to watch it again, I am excited to see next week's Torres up. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I feel in some ways kind of conflicted because, like, I am still really excited to watch Torres, you know, kill it next week, you know, Benjamin kill it next week and watch Torres because I think that's going to be really interesting. But it's like, it's a weird feeling to be like, hate see Haley over here suffering and then like okay next week we're just move on it's fine it is it is weird but also it's it's a good thing because at this point I'm like I I know I don't want to deal with more Haley suffering either at the same time I can't do it and you know Torres and and Adam are not going to suffer nearly to the degree that Haley did in this episode so I'm like give that well I mean Adam may be shot so like we don't know about that but I know it's not the same I know yeah but yeah yeah I'm never watching that episode ever again. Nope. 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 Not doing it. Me either. Nope. Nope. Not doing it. Not one bit. Nope. And I think we said everything there is to say, right? Don't, don't do it again, writers. Don't do it again. Oh. Yeah. Get your money, but. Get your money, but then write something different, please. Please. Yeah. All right. Since we're scrolling up in the outline this week. I know. It's a weird feeling. I'm like, this is weird. We're over we were overdue to try this though. I honestly it never even crossed my mind to try it. Yeah, I think we had mentioned it once like years ago because somebody had told us they were like, you always have more energy for med and then you're tired when you get to PD. Oh uh, like, well, yeah. We should try that sometime and just flip it up. Well, yeah. we definitely had the rage today for PD. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's only gonna get happier from here right so this is good this is good yeah we're gonna end with the happiest thing of all <laughs> that's true for you for, for you. me for all me. right let's move on to fire i think this was the best episode of the three for the night it's just okay like i know a lot of people said they liked this episode and i thought it was good but like i don't know like i didn't love it it wasn't like, oh my God, this is amazing. No, I mean, of the three, of the three for the night, I think this was the strongest one. Oh, well, see, I'm going to disagree just because Med gave me my. Yes. Med gave me my. Yes. Moment. You got your Hannah and Archer content, so you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start off with Herman. We're going to take it away. Did not really care for this storyline. Not going to lie. I wish Cindy had gone harder on Cap and Tony. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get there. So. 
basically Herman's pissed at Luke and Cindy tells him that he needs to get his temper under control. And she's like, we just went through all this really terrible stuff. Like use this to get like, to be a better human and like put things into perspective. And so Cindy's trying to get Herman to do some breathing exercise, really kind of focus on his meditation. And like Herman's basically like, this is stupid, but for you, sure. Because he's just that husband. I also loved him ripping into Luke because he backed into a dumpster. He's like, how do you not see it? It's a dumpster. <laughs> I just, anytime an episode starts with Cindy and Herman, and especially like if they're being, I mean, A, just being their cute couple selves, but like, especially when they're being like their parent selves and we get to see the kids, it's just so good. Like that yeah. part is great. Yeah. It's so good. That's the only good thing to come from the Herman Cindy stuff this season is that like we got to see more of the family because like that always slays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really know how to put this in, but like they're all sitting in the common room. And at one point, Mouch makes a comment about firefighter shows and how stupid it is that the firefighters are wearing beards in this show. And then Tony's like, Yeah, if they really wanted to, I don't remember what the exact line is, but like they should just ask us. And I'm just like, it, it's really funny. The shade. The shade. It's so funny. I and mean, we- like, I'm honestly kind of surprised they haven't worked in a firefighter show reference until now. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And we were we were FaceTiming with Logan at the time, Logan, who hosts Ladies Night. And she just stops. She goes, Did they just shade fire country? <laughs> it's like about fire country as much as it is just firefighter shows in general, but it is very funny. I didn't even, I never even put two and two together that firefighters probably can't have beards. But like, I guess then, yeah, I guess it would be fire country shade, but like, I don't know, but. Cause like Bodhi has one, right? Yeah. So does, there's a couple of characters that do. Manny. Um, but I'm trying to think about like other firefighter shows and do any of those characters have beards? I'm like sitting here and I'm like. I guess not. I mean, they have facial hair, but do any of them have beards? I guess not. I'm like literally sitting here and I'm like station 19. Eh, That's facial. I'm like sitting here and like going through my head. Something big was supposed to go down on 19 tonight. I don't know. They made some really cryptic tweet and they were like, like earlier in the day and they were like, tonight's episode deals with really heavy subject matter. Just you know, put you first if you need. And the promo had like no indication of anything. I think I, uh, we will, I will tell you, you want to know my theories before I know anything about the episode? Yeah, go for it. So they have this, you haven't watched in a hot second, but they I know there's a character named Beckett and we don't like him. No, Beckett basically had a really bad issue with drinking And he basically did really something stupid on a call and kind of got someone killed. And he basically ends up leaving. They they basically forced him out for, you know, to take a break. Like the rest of everyone at Station 19, they basically have a mutiny. Anyway, last week he comes back and he's having all these, like, he seems like remorseful moments. But it also, like, Vic is like, does anyone else think this is, like, kind of weird? Like, you know, I I think if he... This is just a theory. I don't know anything, but my guess would be he maybe committed suicide. Um, like it kind of got that vibes last week, but I don't know. That's just a theory. I, you might be right, like based on this tweet, but I can't even see. 
The replies don't indicate. I mean, yeah, it's about the suicide and crisis lifeline. So I think I just guessed that. Everything's so dark and sad. Yeah. Ugh. Blech. But anyway, point being, back to beards. I was sitting. I'm sitting here trying to like think about every person on a fire. I'm like, even on 911, I'm like, does who has a beard? None of them have Nobody beards. Does. And I'm like, Lone Star. I guess they have facial hair, but not beards. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So maybe it is fire country shade. That's kind of hysterical, though. Still pretty funny. Regardless about whether it's just a sh- fire show, fighter shows in general or fire country specific, it's still very funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Herman comes in to this conversation into the moment. He's pissed about maintenance, blah, 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 whatever. And he asks everyone if he has a temper problem. And they're like, no, you never. <laughs> like, okay. And so he mentions his conversation with Cindy and Pap and Tony basically start busting his balls about it. This is fucked. It's so fucked. Like, and so then they go, like, Hap and Tony go to Herman's quarters and they, like, find him trying to meditate and they continue to bust his balls. It's just like, I get it. It's not your thing and it ends up being not Herman's thing either and that's fine, but, like, you don't need to make fun of someone for it. No. Like, I didn't find that part funny and normally I find Cap and Tony's stuff very funny and I just didn't find it funny. No, they were just being dicks. Yeah. And so, like, then... You know, they decorate his quarters and they like are playing the meditation music. And it's just like, it's not funny. Mm-mm. It's really not funny. That's the kind of stuff that, that that's the reason why most men do not seek help for their mental health is yeah. fear of being shamed and made fun of. Right. So Herman tells them, Cindy, like what they did. And she stops by Molly's later and confronts them basically and like gives them a good like stern lecture and they're like no we're sorry no 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 i i can't believe i did that like i nobody messes with cindy herman and i love it no but i wish she had gone in on them more like she's lucky like they're tap and tony are lucky that like she did not publicly humiliate them yeah she but that i would have been here for yeah but basically they kind of if this wasn't a comedy storyline, she probably would have gone harder, but it was supposed to be a comedy storyline. So, like, they kept it lighthearted, but, like, I wish they, like, you said, they'd gone harder. Yeah, uh, I wish she had, like, publicly shamed them. Yeah, so basically, you know, she makes a comment about, like, them trying to class, too, and they're like, yeah, sure, to- yeah. So, basically, Herman comes to the next shifts and gives them all the information to do this Zendoga yoga, whatever. I didn't even look <laughs> it up, but, like, whatever that is next shift and they're like yeah sure we'll go with cindy beginner class whatever and then like herman asks cruz about you know oh do you want to go and they make it cruz finally references zuba again and i'm like okay we got the reference that's great but when are we getting the other episode and you know why we got the reference is because andrea wrote this one thank you yeah but like okay andrea if you're listening now we just need like imagine how great it would be to see like Javi somehow worked into another yes. Zoom, but like okay, Cruz gets stuck. You know, he was supposed to teach Zumba or whatever, and like Chloe stuck taking baby Otis to the doctor because he's sick. So now Cruz has to be with Javi, but Javi has to go with them. I don't know. I'm just talking thinking out. And then my like Javi joins the class and it. Yeah, and ends up being a killer Zumba star. Can somebody please write that fanfic? Please. Please. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the reference was great, but like, I'm ready for another Zumba storyline. We're 
season's overdue for a return to the Kurizuma stuff. Yeah. Or seven. And, like, was it season this... two or season three? No, it was three because Brett was already there. Three. Three, yeah. three, three. But like, we need, okay, you know what? So many people weren't around at this point. So like, I need Gallo and Ritter at the Zumba class too. Like, I need like the millennials there, Violet. Like, I need the updated version. Violet would love that. Yeah. When just like, I'm just sitting here trying to picture Gallo like doing the moves. Like, I don't know, something about that to me is very funny. Like, I, I just need the updated version. Have we Highly, covered that episode? Like, I think we have. We've covered part of it because technically it's a two-parter, but yeah. So we covered the back part, which actually you see like everyone at the class. Yeah, yeah. The uncut dance scene when it made it to YouTube and at the end of the take, you see Christian just like put both middle fingers up. <laughs> I've still never seen that, but yeah. Oh, the early days of the Chicago I, Fire YouTube channel was just so good. I know. I'm, I miss that era. Yeah. But um, yeah, so anyway... But jokes on them, though, because as Herman later finds out after the next shift that Cindy goes doesn't go to that class anymore. She just doesn't have the patience for it. And yeah, so basically they're going to end up going by themselves. How cute was that, though, when he was like, he was like, the fact that you pulled this joke on me tells me that, like, we're meant to be. I was like, oh, I love them so much. Because they are meant to be. They are meant to be. They're the cutest couple in the world. Protect Cindy and Herman at all costs. Yes. Yes. But actually, though. They're so sweet. Yeah. So good. So we got some listener thoughts on this one. Yep. Yeah. um, Heather B said, I could smell Herman's office through the screen. I love a good Cindy Mouch, Cap, and Tony comedy storyline when they're separate and they mash it together to create a mega Cap, Tony, Mouch, Herman, Cindy comedy plot. It was perfection. And so Sibby actually disagrees. Uh, Chicago Fire and their comedic storylines are missing the mark this season. Some shouldn't have been comedic storylines like the baby drop box. Others have been mean and have made some some of the characters the butt of the jokes and Cap and Tony have come off real jerks like last night. Yeah, like I think that I mean, and that's the thing with Cap, right, is that like he toes the line quite often. Sometimes it's funny and then sometimes he's a dick. I, I do kind of agree, though. I think more than not, especially because season nine and ten have had some of my favorite comedy storylines of, like, mm-hmm. all the years of Fire, that this season definitely, I think, feels like it's not been as strong comedy-wise. Um, I mean, but there have still been some really good ones. Like, 18 is still probably one of my favorite ones with, like, Tony's um, Perfect Attendance Day. And, yeah. Like, like, I love that one so much. Like, there have been some really good ones, and I'm really excited for next week's with, like, Cap getting left out of the group chat. Like, that sounds really funny to me. Which, like, um, now I understand. Because remember last week, we were, like, Cap's left out of the chat? And now I'm like, oh, oh, now I get it. I get it now. Yeah. So, like, I think those are funny. Like, I do think some of them have been really funny this year, but... Overall, I kind of can see why people like I do think some of them have missed the mark, whereas other seasons I'd be like, yeah, that wasn't for me, but it was still funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Next up, we've got our queen. Our uh, we just, queen. We love her so much. Kylie, our girl. Yeah. Kylie doing hard things. We love her so much. That is a strong woman, not mm-hmm. through trauma, through hard work and perseverance. Yep. That is a strong woman. At yep. PD Writers, it can be done. Mm-hmm. 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 
Okay, so Kylie walks in to Bowden's office with Stella and Bowden's like, what are you doing here? Like, you have the exam today. And Stella is like, she needs a pep talk. And so Bowden and Stella, the way they like mobilize at the desk with like the same pose and they're just like sitting there. so cute. Oh my God, so cute. And so, yeah, and so Bowden's like, you are going to wipe the floor with every single one of these applicants. Like nobody's more prepared than you. You've got this. And like- can we put Eamon and Miranda on Cameo where we just like pay for cameos of them giving us pep talks? Cause like I would. Yeah. I need a pep talk before every major life event. Please. Yeah. And thank you. Just want to plan the mornings when they're just like, Hey Gina, you got this. Like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. It'd be great. Go get your coffee. You're going to kick ass. Like, yeah, that's all I need. Yeah. So the exam starts with the physical test. There's some guy who's also taking it and he's being like really cocky and a jerk and whatever. And so he fails because he like trips and falls. So yeah, I, so Kylie kills it because of course Kylie's a queen. And then we go on to the written test and everybody's taking the written test. They're answering their questions. They're moving on. She's kind of, she, she hits an obstacle. She feels kind of panicked. So she comes back and she tells Stella, she's like, I barely finished. And we get this. There you are. Hey. How'd it go? Well, I aced the physical. Of course you did. But then when I got to the written test, I kind of panicked. Oh, I know the feeling. Those tests can be so stressful. No, I really panicked. Froze up in the middle and barely finished on time. Oh, okay, but you finished, right? Barely. Okay. If I failed, please just don't give up on me, okay? What? I don't want you to think I'm a lost cause. I mean, you put so much time and effort into helping me, and I just wanted to do you proud. Oh, Kylie. You do me proud every day. Yeah? Of course. Sometimes things just take time. Doesn't mean they're not gonna happen. I will never give up on you. Even if I like broke the record for worst score ever. Even then. In fact, that would actually be kind of cool. Kylie! My, my poor baby! I love We would never give up on you. None of us no, would do that. Oh, never. And I've just seen like, her show. Oh my god. I was just like this moment. I love this moment. The beauty of this show and the beauty of Firehouse 51 is that nobody ever gives up on anyone else. Mm-mm. Ever. Like Lulu and Stitch, nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Mm, don't make me cry again. Oh, <laughs> I love that. It's true, though. Mm, it's totally true, though. Totally true. Kylie, never give up on you. You're a queen. Ugh. So at Girls on Fire during the next shift, uh, you know, like Ritter and Gallo show up, whatever. Gallo makes that one comment where he's like, this is an easy obstacle course. And I was like, I'm going to punch you. Well, like, I Stella's like, okay, join them. And I was yeah. like, yes. Like, so okay. Bowden comes out to make an announcement and Kylie passed her test. Oh, yay. So yeah, so then Stella's basically like, we're going to Molly's, we're going to celebrate, like we're doing this. And all I have to say to that is Stella, where was our invite? But actually, though, where where was our invite? We were available. But I love the moment. So, like, obviously, the girls end up surrounding Kylie, and then you've got like 
Bowden and Stella on the side looking over at Kylie and like she looks back at them and I was like oh my god the feelings mom and dad getting their approval oh my god I was just like I never expected it to be so emotional but I was like oh my god I'm so proud of her same 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 and so like uh both Odin explained it. He's like, so now we just have to wait for your number to come up. And like, if they don't find a way for this woman to stay at 51, I swear. I, I, I was thinking about that too. I was like, I mean, I want her to obviously become a candidate, but like, I don't want it to not be at 51. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if she doesn't become a candidate for another three years, but we get to keep her, then that's fine. But like, yeah. I don't want it to, unless it's, unless she's at 51. We want to keep her. Yeah. Keep her. Keep. Yes. Keyword. Keep. It's great if her number comes up, but if it's at another firehouse, she's just going to have to pass. Well, it's like with Stella becoming a lieutenant. It's like, okay, yeah, I absolutely want that for her. Great. But if it's not at 51, I also don't want it either. Right. Right. We want her being the candidate, but not if it's not at 51. Yeah. So we're just going to like at this point, I feel like the way they're going to make it happen, and maybe I'm wrong, is that Gallo's going to end up on squad. So then that, that begs the question what happens if taylor comes back is it a five we'll get to squad? the taylor stuff i feel like we'll save the taylor stuff for the stella carver of it all yeah but, but do like, we have a five-person squad then i mean i think they were eventually regardless i mean pre-taylor leaving they'd already kind of hinted about gallo potentially one day going to squad so i feel mm-hmm. like even if taylor had never left and never taken his leave of absence i feel like they would have made a way eventually for gallo to make his way to squad mm-hmm. so Yes, I feel like they would have done it for the story purposes. Taylor-sized elephant in the room. Yeah, and that's a different situation. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, but I think even before Taylor took his leave of absence, eventually Gallo would have made his way over the squad. Like, we all know what's happening at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, but now it's like, okay. Yep. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the easiest way. Like, Gallo just moves to squad and then Kylie become can become the candidate on... Although, but honestly, I'm trying to think back of, like, when Dawson was a candidate. Mm-hmm. They have way more people on truck. So, like, why can't Kylie be the candidate anyway if it just stays the way it is? All great questions. Because, like, you had Casey, Otis, Mouch, Cruz was still there. Cruz was still on truck. And then Dawson. Yeah. So you can definitely have more than four people on truck. Sorry, I, I meant to message Caitlin from the pod account last night. Just be like, Kylie! And now that we're talking about it, that reminded me to just message her and be like, Kylie! Yeah, I messaged her. I responded to her Instagram story earlier. But she hasn't seen it yet, so. But anyway, so Yes. Uh, let's see. We had listener thoughts. Um, Heather B said, Bowden and Stella are the best duo. And when they, when they want to encourage Kylie, I love their pep talk and yay, Kylie passed. I hope we get to see her as a candidate next season. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. This, her making, like her becoming a firefighter, not the end of the story. We, we need to see candidate. I love too about what they've been able to do with Girls on Fire and especially obviously with Kylie is that like, yeah, we got to see it a few times with, like, people being candidates, like, with Mills and Gallo. Like, we've gotten to see them from the early days of their, you know, training. But, mm-hmm. like, with Kylie, we've literally seen her from, like, when she didn't even know what firefighting really was 
to now she passed her kid, you know, she passed her test. Like she's going to become a full ass firefighter. And it's just like that journey of like watching her fall in love with firefighting has been really cool. Not even yeah. only just to see her growth as a firefighter, but to see her fall in love with firefighting in general. I think it's just very cool. Yeah. The whole thing has been awesome. Yeah. So now I guess we get Brett and Violet, the Brett storyline. You skipped um, Heather. You skipped no, I Heather read B. Heather's. You did already? Yeah. I was, I'm just brain. Never mind. Don't mind me. Okay. Brett and Violet. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah. There's a lot happening here. There's a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. Brennan, take it. Wait, wait, me, you, who reads this? You read this. Yes. Me. I thought so. Okay. Go. So Brett and Violet walk into shift and first shift is looking dead AF, like they're leaving, you know, whatever they're talking about how tiring it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Literally, they can't even like put their bags down and they immediately get called out on an emergency. And I thought it was interesting. I guess Violet points out the fact that like, they're like, oh, it's an emergency. I guess it must be serious. I've never heard. I've never paid attention. So they never are all emergency. Like, I just thought that was interesting. I did too. Yeah. Like what? So if they don't say emergency, do you just like think you can roll up whenever? Because that's alarming. Well, and like what made this an emergency versus other instances they've responded to? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought the fact that Violet's points out, she's like, oh, this is an emergency. I was like, what, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. So because they immediately get called out, they don't have time to do like full inventory to start shift. So they just get to do like a quick check. And it looks like everything's, you know, all the major stuff is there. So they head off to this house where a pregnant teen who just had her baby delivered at home, but the baby came out in the amniotic sac. Super rare, so, but does happen. Yes. So they're trying to obviously get the baby out, but they don't have the OB kit that they need to get the baby out. So they have to improvise. And they make it work, though, when they get to the baby to med. And of course, like, they are greeted by the one and only Hannah Asher. And it's just like, oh, hi, Hannah. Hey, girl, hey. Yeah. Um. So, but, you know, they're basically, Brett's really, Brett especially is really frustrated that they didn't have what they need. So as soon as they get back, they go straight to Bowden and he agrees to talk to Adler, who's the PIC from first shift about what happened. So later on, this is like later on that shift or next shift, whatever they go back to med to drop off Shep and which we'll get to Shep in a second. Oh, we will um, get there. And Violet asks about the baby girl and she's alive. She's doing really well. So they go visit and Brent is like immediately in love with this baby, like immediately. And the 16 year old, the mom is like, literally, I could tell from two seconds of being around her that she has zero interest in being a mom. Yeah. Like zero interest. So they get back from the hospital and Adler shows up to confront them. Hey. You got a lot of nerve going after me and Bessel for the missing OB kit. You should have checked inventory before you left. Didn't you hear the alarm? It said emergency. I told you what a rough shift we had. Oh, but of course, Chief Bowden will give his favorite shift their special treatment. And we'll get in real trouble for this. You're the PIC. A baby girl could have died because of you. It doesn't matter that you were tired. It's your job to make sure we can take care of our patients. That OB kit is the only thing we've got. 
to help the most vulnerable and innocent victims, and it wasn't there. If you don't get charged for this, I will quit. You serious right now? You have no idea how serious I am. Okay, let's take a step. Get out of this firehouse. Now. This isn't your shift. This is my damn house, too. Your partner has lost it. Oh, this is, this scene is a lot. It is a lot. And the way that just sat back and we're like, we're just going to let this play out. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's two things I want to bring up. One, I did think it was interesting. And I've kind of always, I mean, granted it's TV, so it is what it is. But like Adler points out, she's like, oh, anything for Bowden's favorite, you know, favorite shift or whatever. And I'm like, it is kind of interesting that like, we don't talk about enough how Bowden is there for other shifts. Like, yeah. Like, in the fact that, like, Bowden isn't in some ways like them and that, like, yeah, he does go home. Like, I don't know. Bowden's schedule is just fascinating because he is, he does interact with, obviously, the other shifts. It's mm-hmm. not like he's only there for this shift. Um, but the fact that everyone just knows that this shift is his favorite, and I just, I thought that was funny. Yeah, um, it, it didn't phase me at all. I was like, yeah, what about it? Like, you know yeah. that. <laughs> but sometimes you just, like, you know, because, obviously, we only, we only see this shift. So it's like, oh yeah, Bowden is around for the other shifts. Like he does technically be like, just like he's the boss of this shift. He's also the boss of all the other shifts. Yeah. Like, you know, things we don't talk about enough, but um. anyway, so the other thing in this though is, so Brett basically is like threatening to quit her job over this. Yeah. yeah. Was this odd to you? Kind of. And, like, we'll get to her explanation later. So she does eventually explain, like, why she felt this way. But in the moment, I was like, that's a little much. Yeah. And it still doesn't completely make sense to me. So. I mean, I guess it does. But, like. Yeah. She explains it. And, like, I understand then. But, like, I. Yeah. So Violet goes to check on Brett and Brett is like still pissed about it. And, you know, she just basically says, she's like, there's no excuse for what they did. And she's like, I meant what I said. Like, I'm, you know, if they don't get reprimanded, I'm quitting. So later on, Bowden tells Brett and Violet that he talked to first shift and he's like, they admitted they made a mistake. He's like, but instead of filing charges, he's just going to give them written warnings. And Brett is again, pissed. She basically tells Bowden that she's like, I'm going to have to decide if this means I can work here. And she like storms out. It just seems like a bigger reaction than the situation warrants. Yeah. And again, she very much, you know, well, so hold on, I'll stop talking a second. So next shift, Brett walks in and Adler, is, she finds Adler because Adler is basically cleaning out her locker. She's pissed that basically now her career's over. And so Brett kind of now starts to feel bad that she feels like she ended someone's career. And so she goes to talk to Bowden and Bowden's like, listen, like I, I didn't charge them. I gave them warnings, but Adler actually had two previous warnings from similar situations like prior to this. So she basically ended her own career. Um, And Bowden basically is like, okay, so Brett, like really what's, what's going on? And she explains why she's feeling the way she's feeling. I still think, Forgetting the OB kit is an unforgivable thing for the PIC to do, and if she has previous warnings for the same kind of thing, then she's a risk to her victim's safety, so. 
So... The system worked. The Brett that I saw in this office the other day. That's not the Brett that I know. You wanna tell me what's going on? I know... I know I probably overreacted. Mm -hmm. I get too emotional with our littlest victims. I always have. We all feel that way. And I've noticed you more than most, but... This was different. That young girl. The mother of that baby. She's 16. The same age my mother was when she had me. And then gave me up for, for adoption. I understand where Brett is coming from. I really do. Um, I think it's just one, it's one of those situations where sometimes, you know, you, you, you find yourself in a situation and you relate it back to something else you've experienced. And for whatever reason, that situation just hits differently because of it. So yeah. like, I like, I do get it that this is one of those things where it just hit differently for her. Like I get it. But I, I still, that just because I understand it, it doesn't mean that I still, like, I do still think it was, like, a little bit of an overreaction. It was a lot of, well, not a lot of it. That's not fair. The Brett stands are going to come for me. It was, I still think it was a little bit of an overreaction, too. I just didn't, it didn't quite add up. Because even then, when she's like, you know, this is the same age my mom was when she had me. Okay, like, you weren't there, for it I mean okay well no wait hold on let me backtrack here because she was the baby in that case so she's invested in how the baby turns right. out because you know obviously that could have been her okay, right I, like I said I know. still think I still understand where Brett's coming from and I like I said I think it's just one of those situations where even though Brett's encountered plenty of teen moms before something about this one in that moment for Brett and given all the other feelings she's been feeling, it just hit differently for her this one time. And I understand that because yeah. we've all had those situations where you encounter the same situation over and over and over again. But sometimes on like chance 53, it just hits differently for you. Yeah. But I still just, I don't know, like, to, to, I can understand why Brett's in making that, like why Brett feels invested in this baby for her explanation but the fact that she then wanted to like quit her job still just feels like a little much is more yeah. my point yeah I yeah not that Brett got super invested in this baby that definitely makes sense and tracks for Brett but like it's more about the that she then wanted to go quit her job because of it part I this would make more sense if there had been like a repeated pattern of first shift fucking things up and not getting reprimanded. If it had been a repeated pattern of that, I could understand Brett being like, fuck this. But yeah. there was never any indication that that was the case. Right, right. So later on, while they're hanging out in the common room, the alarm for the baby safe box goes off. And of course, it's the baby from earlier. I could have predicted that from 20 miles away. Yeah. But- they take her back to med per protocol. So we get to see Hannah. I feel like it's very rare that when they do these mini crossovers, we get like two separate scenes of the person, you know, of the person who's crossing over. Yeah. Very rarely. 
So I loved seeing that Hannah a second time. And they basically, they have three days where she has to stay at the hospital before she gets turned over to DCFS. So they go track down Amber's mom and she's like, yeah, we're not that surprised. I'm not that surprised she turned the baby over. She didn't really want her. I don't really want her. And yeah, that's it. And that's where this gets left. But yeah. So where are we going from Uh, here? Yeah, that's the big like, I mean, I think we all know where this is going is that Brett's going to try to adopt the baby. But then I guess the question is, and what everyone's talking about is like, is this the way they're trying to like write Kara? Like, is this going to be Kara's swan song? Yep. And There's I still a lot of stuff swirling around. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah, it's hard to say, right? So the only thing that started all of this is that Kara had posted probably a week or two ago about like makeup and she's like, here's the makeup artist. And she's been making Sylvie look like Sylvie for seven years. And everybody was like, is she leaving? Like what's happening now? And so well, yeah, then obviously with like Jesse coming back. Yeah. That's yeah. the other big part of it is that yeah. like Jesse came back, Jesse's back in the finale. So they're like, okay, like, are we gonna have you know, Jesse come back so that Bretzy can get their happy ending and go live off, you know, go wherever they're going to be and be a family. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's the other part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of chat. I just don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm getting a little frustrated by it and, uh, and not frustrated because I'm like, oh my God, I wish they'd shut up. But this is that point of the season where at any moment the deadline article could drop. We're in that territory. And so you don't know if Kara's staying or going. You don't know if Taylor's staying or going. Then over on Med, which we'll get to, there's some rumors swirling around about Tori, okay? And if Tori comes back, then is that Nick's exit is Will leaving, which like I can't even emotionally fathom that right now. Or is that, that right now. potential Maggie exit? That too, that too. So I'm at a point now where I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, you know what? I would just rather the deadline article drop. Just rip the bandaid off. The only one I don't, I'm pretty confident in feeling like no one's leaving is PD. I like have no worry about people on PD leaving. Yeah. Which yeah. maybe that's like an overconfidence, but whatever. Maybe like, that's a little naive on both of our parts. We'll find out. Yeah, but I have no real feelings about PD, but like, yeah, fire. I, I like, at this point, if this, I don't know. And again, this is all hypothetical. I still don't know, like, and I'm waiting to see how, like, even next week's episode plays out before I really say, like, how I feel if this was Kara's exit, because there's still, again, so many details that we don't know. So, like, I'm trying to hold out judgment about, like, do I like this idea or not? I don't hate it if it is how they're going to write her out. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to reserve judgment for more detail until I have more detail, like, until I see more of it play out. I think if this is the way she does go, where she adopts the baby and she runs off into the sunset with Matt, I think exit-wise, it's a good one. Um, Compared to some of the other exits on these shows, that it's a great one. Our, our bar is not very high for character exits. The fact that someone's going to get potentially a happy ending, I'll take it. Don't say that too loud. I know, I know. But at this point, it's already filmed, Gina. I can't jinx it that much anymore. That's true. It's already filmed. That is so true. So I can only jinx it but so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even if it's a remotely a happy ending, I'll take it regardless of what it, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I'm waiting to see how these next two episodes play out, but it's definitely swirling around there and it would not surprise. I'm not going to be shocked if the deadline article comes out that says this is Kara's end. 
I won't either. Um, it won't be a shocking one. Let's put it that way. No, no, it so, won't. But yeah, lots of people are talking about this. And like, no, I'm going to save it for when next week or the week after, like the whole Dylan, like once we actually kind of see how this plays out, then we can really assess like what they did with Sylvie. Cause you know, I think a lot of people I think are feeling like, Oh, like, I think this was out of character. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, at this point, I'm just going to wait and we'll see how this, the rest of this plays out. Yeah. And, and when we were talking to Logan last night, Logan mentioned a really good point. Hi, Logan. I hope you don't mind that I'm talking about our conversation. Um, but she, she said one of the biggest things she was, she said, she's going to be really frustrated if Sylvie and Dylan are still together in the finale, which like, I, you know, I get it, but also at the same time, she's in denial, right? It's the same thing as the med storyline from this week, which we'll get to is that, you know, Sylvie has to come to this realization on her own. So yeah. she's kind of in denial about the situation. And if she's still with Dylan, I'll understand. But, you know, again, I I bet anything, if she adopts this baby, Dylan's going to run. Dylan's going to be like, I don't want kids. Bye. Yeah. Well, my thing is like, I think you also too, like to Logan's point, what we were talking about last night is that like in a perfect world, I think there would be more time between like Sylvie breaking up with Dylan and then if Casey come, you know, like Kate, her getting back with Casey. Mm-hmm. But like you get Jesse for one episode. So you kind of have to, if that's how you're going to do it, you kind of have to just like, even though it do- it probably would feel a little rushed, like you kind of have to make do with what you got. And like, this is what we're getting. You get Jesse for one episode, you get him for the finale. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So like, you know. But yeah, like in my dream world too, like I kind of would be kind of annoyed that like if she's still with Dylan in the end and then like 20 minutes later, she's back together with Matt and running off and they're like, okay, we're going to be the family and raise this baby. Like, yeah, that's not my dream scenario either for the way Bretzy gets back together. But as long as it ends with Bretzy getting back together, I also don't really care. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'd be, I wouldn't mind if that was her exit, if she is exiting. But on the flip side of that, the other part of the conversation is how many more times can we do the adoption storyline? Yeah, we talked about this too, is like, and especially, and I don't want to be the one to make this parallel because I do think there's very different circumstances and I try to keep that in mind too. But like, I've definitely seen it going around Twitter too, that like, there is kind of the little obvious if it does end up with like, Bretzy getting back together and raising this baby it also then kind of gives you the Louie parallel you know the Dossie Bretzy parallels again and it's like again very different circumstances but also not the best look either yeah that's true it's like they're you know very different circumstances to lead to both of these things and like I get it but it's also like mm, not true. the best look but important to note mm-hmm so um, go ahead yeah so brooke s said i did not think that brett's outrage was out of character no she wasn't the adorable little brett making cheers for the cfd but she was standing up for a patient after something that could have been avoided i feel like that was in character for her she's always been a huge patient advocate and it sucked that she had to give such an ultimatum but i don't think she was entirely wrong i think she had to show that she meant business okay this was another thing that irked me about this was adler was like giving her shit for like always being perky some people are just like that okay yeah don't go hating just because of that i used to get a lot of that kind of hate when i was a teenager but like some people are just naturally wired that way and that's okay and that's okay and the way she was like i'm not perky hi it's me yeah no 
No. Yeah. I've had people tell me before, they're like, I never see you grumpy. I'm like, then when you clearly don't interact with me before like 9 a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not a bad thing. Some people are just wired that way. Leave her alone. Let her live. Yeah. Anyway. Natasha W said, okay, I've seen a few places people have been posting that the baby's family is horrible. I don't think that's the case. Amber is 16. She and her not want the baby. That's okay. Amber saw someone that looked at the baby with joy, recognized that she didn't respond that way, and in her naive 16-year-old way, left the baby at the firehouse where the, the woman that looked like she cared was. That's true. That's pretty smart. That shows maturity. Yeah. So that's actually an act of kindness from Amber. Amber's mother was honest about not wanting the baby. The foster care system can be terrifying, but so is staying in a family that doesn't want you and clearly has existing issues. People have rough times and some have rough lives. Bringing children into that is complex. I like the way the show portrayed this. I don't feel like the baby's family were villains, just people who recognized that this was not the family for that baby. It's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important too. Um, Amani said, people are saying Brett adopts the baby. But I have a different theory. What if that behind-the-scenes picture with Kara and the older man and woman are meant to be Brett's parents? So what if she asked them to adopt the baby so she knows that the baby's going to a good home? It's a huge stretch, but it's just a thought. It's definitely more likely she adopts the baby, but I was trying to think outside the box. It would be a full-circle moment that she's adopted after her biological mother was too young to take care of her at 16, to then Brett adopting the baby because her 16-year-old mother didn't want to take care of the baby. If this is an adoption storyline, it feels overused, but it's definitely interesting given Brett's past. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and I think there is definitely the theory floating around. I know Logan has this theory, too, that, like, that behind-the-scenes picture is Brett's parents and not necessarily just some random, like, people that she interacts with on a call or whatever. So I definitely could see that potentially being them, you know, too. Yeah. So. Yeah lot we'll we'll see where this goes there's there's a lot of stuff up yeah. in here we'll see we'll see then we've got stella and carver oh man yeah yeah okay so 81 and 61 get called to a crash where basically a garbage truck fell on a guy horrible no good very bad day right yeah so uh, Stella handles it like a pro, you know, they get the guy out, no problem. But I mean, the guy, while he's under there, he's like, nobody cares about me. And Stella's like, I care. You're the yeah. most important person of 51 right now. Like, it's just how it's going. She handles it like a pro. So later on, this guy, his name is Shep. He stops by the firehouse to thank them for what they did. Uh, he doesn't really have much since he's homeless, but he basically, he made Stella a friendship bracelet, like the Swifties. Um, yeah. And so he's homeless, but he gives Stella the bracelet that he made. And so she's like, why don't we get some food for you to take with you? And he's like, no, it's cool. And she's like, no, I insist. So as she goes and does that, Carver is talking to him and he just looks at Carver and he's like, she doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the, the minute he said that the very, very first time a laugh like escaped me just because of like the Stella and Carver stuff from like episodes past where people were like, is he into her? What's going on? Yeah. I laughed for like a second and then I stopped, but yeah, he's like, she doesn't love you and that's it. And then she just leaves and he leaves. That's it. So later on, Shep left some gloves behind and Carver's like, dude, I will take them and drop them off at the shelter. No worries, Stella. Like I will do this. So he goes over, finds out Shep actually doesn't live there anymore. Um, he was off his meds and did some crazy, scary things, especially to women. 
So he's dangerous is what we find out. So Carver tells Stella and Stella just says like, she still can't help but feel for the guy. If Kelly were here, he would tell me that I might've gone too far in bonding with my victim. You know, that there are serious risks in making real connections. And he might be right, but I don't know how to do this job any other way. I, mean, I get where Sephiroth's coming from. He's just trying to protect you. Mm. But the way you connect with people, victims and coworkers, it, it, it makes an impact that can change lives for the better. And I'm speaking from experience. I thought this was really interesting that she points out what Severide would have done because it was something that crossed my mind because, like, obviously she and Severide have had this conversation many a times about, the like, her leadership style be different than his and the way he would go about things. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you know what? And she's like, I don't know how to do my job anyway. And then Carver tries to, like, connect it back to him. And I was like, okay, I guess, yeah. Like, he understands it too. But I don't know. I thought it was just that part was interesting that Carver then was like, I guess that he understands it too, because she did the same thing to him. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I'm not like, I, I am. And well, no, I'm not thrilled with the way that like Carver's become like a step in husband for her while Kelly has been gone. And I only well, mean step in husband by like, you know, he's her go-to guy. Well, my thing is like, I don't even mind that. Like I'm kind of glad that at this point, I was glad until this episode and then I'm like I don't know how I feel now but like I was kind of glad until this episode that like they've become friends and like I'm totally fine if like Carver wants to become like her BFF like you know like a person she can be just like really good friends with and like like I have no problem with that but like I thought we were kind of moving in a different direction with Carver and I was working on trying to get like on board with that and I was like okay um also I just now realized as I was thinking about Carver's other direction that we've mentioned Violet and we've not set our bet pockets for life and it just ugh, it's never gonna get I'm never gonna get used to it but anyway yeah anyway so thinking about Carver's other direction like I was finally kind of not on board with it but I was like working my way to getting to that point and now I'm like did we just go back 180 degrees to the other direction and I just don't know now where we're going with him. And that's where I'm like confused. Yeah. Because it feels like they're trying to go back to like when Carver had a crush on her. And I'm like, no, leave that behind. I was liking where we were going with the other version of Carver. Like, I don't want to go back. I feel like they're trying to like paint it both ways, right? Like they're taking one episode, assuming Taylor's coming back and taking the next one, like Taylor's not coming back. So they're like, Carver and Stella are friends. Carver and Stella might be into each other. They're just trying to like, well, and I don't think there's anyone who would say Stella's into Carver. No. At all. No. Right. No, no way. No, how. No way. We all know Carver definitely had a crush on her at one point, but like there's no way that she, anyone ever says that. I definitely, though, it's more leaving the door of like, would they ever go there if Taylor doesn't come back? But like, and I don't want to even think about that. But like, yeah. You know, it's like, I thought we were just, I, with Violet, I thought we were getting there. And I don't, you know, it's like, it just, the back and forth, I was like, not expecting. And I was like, no, that's not what I want. Same. Same. Yeah. Anyway. 
is this you or me you know this is you, you oh it's me it. yeah like um yeah so so at, towards the end stella's making a sign for kylie which like also shout out to the fact that she started a sign and then got sidetracked and went in the shower and then came out to like finish it me um yeah so she's making a sign for kylie in her towel and the loft's intercom goes off which like when did the loft like just get an intercom yeah apparently okay yeah so she goes to the intercom and it's shep somehow shep got her address like i i I will say though real quick why is stella like why did we have to make stella in a towel why that's always the question right why why she could have been freshly she could have had her hair in a towel to indicate she just got out of the shower and she could have been dressed i don't understand why she had to be in a towel although granted i do understand how realistic that is because there's lots of times i do things after i just got out of the shower in my towel still like i get it <laughs> it happens it definitely happens especially i feel like girls do it a lot but like on tv we did not need to see it no, I don't think there was anything by that, though. It's not like, you know, the scenes from, like, early seasons of PD when, like, Lindsay was in her underwear for no reason. I mean, true, but... Yeah. So, Shep's outside, so she calls Carver. And the first thing Carver said, he's like, well, did you call the police? And she's like, no, I feel like that could make things worse. Girl! Stella, well, okay. you're really smart, but no, not in this moment. Yes and no, though. She's got a point, though, because, I mean, he's obviously, he's a homeless man having some sort of mental health crisis because he's off his meds right how often do you see those situations where the cops get called and it escalates and a man ends up losing his life when when it was really a mental health situation no i know but the thing is is like and i understand that and like if we were in a station 19 situation i would say call crisis one but we're not in a station 19 situation that program doesn't exist in one chicago world however the thing is is like they know that shep they have knowledge that shep is dangerous and so I get it if you were just like if they didn't have that knowledge and they were just like and Shep just obviously showed up at Stella's you know at, you know, used her intercom or whatever showed up at the loft then I'd say okay yeah maybe she can talk him down or whatever but they have knowledge of things that he's already done with violence especially against women I would I would tread lightly but also like call the cops too yeah I get it I get it yeah so yeah, so Carver's like, I'm calling the cops right now and I'm coming over. So stay put. So Carver finds Shep. He gets to the, he gets to the place. He's outside. He's got the flashlight and everything. Carver finds Shep. And basically what happens is that like Carver and Shep get into like a physical altercation and the cops roll up at the most inopportune time. And the episode ends with Carver getting arrested. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny until this moment happened, I literally forgot that Carver, the episode description for next week said Carver gets arrested or deals with the fallout from his arrest. Yeah. And so until that moment, I was like, oh shit, this is how he's going to get arrested. And I like, it did not see that coming at all. No. And I, I went back and watched the scene because I was like, I mean, anybody could argue this was self defense, right? And like the way the scene's edited, it does look like Shep comes at Carver with something. Yeah. No, it does. And I think he, you know, that's the point is that like, we know that Carver really was doing it out of self-defense and to protect Stella. But obviously in the moment when you're there and you don't have all the details, it looks like Carver just attacked Shep for no reason. I mean, if there's a camera outside of the loft, then like. Yeah, this is going to go get solved real quickly. 
But yeah. I'm sure, obviously, next week you're going to be like, oh, of course, there's no cameras outside the loft. And it's like, really, motherfuckers? Like, really? There's no the cameras? The camera malfunctioned and nobody ever fixed it. Right. There's, it works, but they, it wasn't recorded. It's like, Jesus. The Wi-Fi went out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Obviously, something like that's going to go down. But, yeah. Yeah, it was it was messy. It was real messy. Yeah, I did not have Stella getting stalked on this week's list or this week's episode list, but apparently that's what happens. Yep. It's a thing. But yeah. So Heather B said, I 100% expected Carver to get arrested protecting someone, but I didn't expect it to go down like that. Maybe I'm being really naive here, but throwing a guy in the back of the cop car, threatening a female witness when she said the man being attacked was trying to get into her building and just driving away without getting statements or even getting the full story or even a partial story. Seems like a surefire way to get a case thrown out in court, but perhaps I'm wrong. Either way, I don't really expect this to be the end of Carver. I did like the story for the line it drew between Carver's admiration for Stella and Shep's obsession. They didn't get to tell the story the way they wanted with Kelly being gone, but I'm glad they're resolving the does does he or does he not truly have feelings for Stella. I think he feels deep admiration for her and her ability to pull him into the 51 family, but I think next episode will be interesting to see how it actually gets articulated on screen. I also think it'll be interesting to see how Carver handles basically getting this family he had found taken away because he was protecting it. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't either. But yeah, I definitely think to me it feels way more like carver just wants to protect stella because she means a lot to him not in like a i'm in love with her kind of way because obviously like any other man in the firehouse would have done that yeah and like well and like heather points out you know when you parallel it to shep's obsession we know that carver's not acting like that like he's not obsessed with Stella. like it's not like that at all yeah um so i do think that's interesting i guess like i said my whole issue with the storyline is not even with the storyline itself it's more that like it feels like they just now already abandoned the violet plot it's her life first of all but i'm yeah. i'm yeah I, i'm not mad that they did that i don't think they're i don't think they abandoned it though for real damn it i don't think they did but anyway um brooke s said i wanted to throw something when stella said kelly would not Kelly would have told her she got too close to her victim. She's not wrong, and maybe she did, but Kelly is also someone who would rescue a victim and be dating them by the end of the episode. Um, cough, Renee, cough. Cough, like, half the episodes, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Very true. Oh, the days of the circle of Severide. The days, the days. Oh, I, you know what, though? I mean, granted, I don't want that Severide back, but it's also, like... If it would mean Taylor back on my screens, I would take it. Yeah. I just miss him. Same. I just Big miss same. Him. Yep. Amani said, okay, this seems like an unpopular opinion, but I don't think they're trying to push Carver and Stella together. If anything happens between them, it would be completely one-sided with Carver the one to initiate and Stella would shut it down immediately. But I genuinely think that Carver was concerned for Stella as a friend. Yes, he had a crush on her, but I still fully believe that was a rescue crush and he's over it. I thought they were pushing Carver with Violet, Hawkins for life. So I really don't think Carver and Stella are happening. I think after what Shep said to him at the firehouse, he was just worried for her safety. Every right to be concerned, especially after what the lady at the homeless shelter said. I agree. I really think any guy at 51 would have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So she said, I also, yeah, when he said, I also don't think it's weird that Stella called Carver when Shep showed up outside her building. He was probably picking her up so they could go to Molly's together. So she figured he was the closest to her apartment. As for why she didn't call the police, she kind of explained that herself. She felt for the guy and just didn't want to get the cops involved because she didn't want to make things worse. Even though in the end, it got messy. One of her biggest flaws is that she tends to see the good in people and will give them the benefit of the doubt, even if they're crazy. Eh, Let's reword that. yeah, I see what you're saying, though. Um, she did it with Grant, and now she's doing it with Shep. So I think Carver and Stella can be friends without it being weird. I really want to see this friendship happen. Do I need to remind you that Sylvie and Cruz dated at one point? No, you do not. You do not need to remind no, us. No, 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 no. We no. remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they still have a good friendship. Even if we haven't seen much of it lately, we know it exists. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, Amani said, I really wonder what Stella is going to tell Kelly or if she tells him at all. Realistically, if Kelly found out that Stella was being stalked, he'd rush home without a doubt. But I get with Taylor on leave, that can't happen. So I wonder if she just doesn't tell him or if she convinces him that everything's fine and she does, and he doesn't need to come home. With that being said, I have trust issues with these, these one Chicago writers because, well, Upstead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hit rewind for our discussion on that. Definitely scares me every time Stella and Carver share screen time. But the thing that calms me down is if the writers break up Stella Ride, they drag the show down with them. Whether people want to believe it or not is up to them. But Stella Ride is quite literally the face of one Chicago couples. If they destroy that relationship, people will quit watching. It's so hard, though. And I I feel like I sound like a broken record because I feel like I say this all the time. But it's so hard because, like, so many of what's happening with, like, breaking up all the major one Chicago couples is happening because of off-screen things like actors choosing to leave it's not like like in this case like Andrea and Derek at this point I don't think would ever be well Andrea really just at this point like I don't think Andrea would be so cruel as to just break up Stellarite especially once they're married just for the sake she may have them get in a fight I mean I'm not saying she would you know but like I don't think she'd have them just break up just to for her writing's sake at this point yeah but like you know, if your hands are dealt with and you have to deal with the fact that somehow Taylor is never coming back, like, you also have to deal with that, too. And that kind of puts the writers into a corner, too. So, like, I do have trust issues with the writers, but it's also, like, most of these One Chicago couple breakups have been because of off, you know, camera stuff. Right, right. So, I mean, at this point, what happens, Celerite's fate is not up to them at the moment. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's not even really up to the writers at this point. Exactly. It's not up to the writers right now. Yeah. And the writers have other things to do. Go pick it your butts off and get what you deserve. Yeah. Support our writer friends. Yes. We stand with WGA. Yes. Yep. So I don't know. But anyway, that's just like I said, I feel like I always make the point of like, it's not up to the writer and it's, you know, it's not, it's just, it's, it sucks that like, it's caused so many shipping and trust issues because I definitely as a like a shipper first like I feel it and I'm like but it's like it, you, you can't do like there's nothing to do like you know even yeah. going back so far as like with Monica leaving it's like Monica chose to leave like yeah it sucks that Dossie broke up and the you know whatever but like Monica chose to leave and it that was her choice mm-hmm. yep so yep any yep. other notes on fire no, I am curious to see how these next two go, though. Yeah. See where this ends and bring back the big cliffhanger. Like, I am, I'm curious to see how this season ends. Yeah. Yeah. 
does it end with a big boom? Like the description doesn't even indicate that like the homeland thing gets a resolve, just that there's a lead. Yeah. Yeah. Why do I feel like people are going to be in mortal peril again? Yeah, it's like I said, if it if we still had the um, May sweeps, it would be like I feel like it's going to be like everyone listed. Oh yeah. Yep. Pretty Except much. for maybe Bowden, who's outside watching. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Yeah. All right. Last up in our in our backwards day episode, it's Med. It's Med. Usually it's we say med. stretch it out for PD, so are we stretching it out for Med? We can stretch it out for Med. This is a good stretch, though. This is like the cool down at the end of the workout. This isn't yeah. like the warm up. But actually, though. Yeah. This is the happy part where, like, you got through the hard part, and now you just get to chill. Yeah, now I get to, like, scream in glee. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. So we're going to start off with Dr. Charles and Maggie. Also, um, we got to chat with the director of this episode. Yes. Yes, we did. So we will play that for you at the end of the med portion. So hang in there for that. But yes, we got to chat with the director, Nikki Taylor Roberts. Um, She's part of the NBCU Female Forward Launch Program, which is just such an awesome program. Yeah a good way it's to very cool it's very cool yeah it's super super cool so yeah we got to chat with her so make sure you stick stick around at the end of the this at the end of this part for that anyway uh yeah okay so let's start with dr charles and maggie okay so liliana is leaving shift and her brother picks her up brother air quotes i don't think this is her brother whoever he is he's an asshole no he's totally an asshole and like she keeps trying to apologize for him and i'm like girl don't make excuses yep like i get it he may have had a hard life now that he's come to america but like don't make excuses um i also love that like lana basically goes um i'm so sorry that he's so rude he was a lawyer back home in poland <laughs> hey <gasps> Liliana, <laughs> lawyers rude <laughs> but true <laughs> yeah so yeah, he's just a dick. I really don't think he's her brother, though. I don't. I think there's I hadn't like really thought about that theory. I just, yeah, I know there's something shady going on with him. Obviously, I just I hadn't thought about the fact that he may not be her brother. Definitely sketch. Okay, definitely so sketch. Maggie runs into Sharon on her way in and mentions that there's a recruiter that might call her for some references, and so she's like, "You're really doing this? Like, you're really trying to leave Med?" And Maggie's like, no, I'm just testing the water. And Goodwin even says, she's like, is there anything we can do to get you like to not test the water? And Maggie's just like, you got a time machine. I mean, yeah, there's just like, it's <laughs> it would suck to lose Maggie, but also like shout out to her for knowing what she believes in. For And, and not willing to support it. Yeah. 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 Shout out to her for staying firm in her conviction and not just sticking around because it's a job. Yeah. That's a strong woman, not through repeated trauma, but through conviction of her beliefs. For sure. Or strength of her conviction. That's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Maggie encounters a patient who just arrived by Ambo. And basically this woman was in a car wreck. It was super low impact. Like she backed her car into a pole or something. And she's got a big cut on her hand, but she's also really jaundiced. And so... Obviously, they're like, okay, well, there's something bigger at play here. But the thing is, is this woman will not get out of the ambo. She will not. She has a whole huge narrative painted out where she basically thinks that the nurses 
or on the pharmaceutical company's payroll. And she thinks that she'll get injected with a virus as soon as she walks inside. And she'll basically be forced to take medicine for the rest of her life. She's got conspiracy theories just like pouring out of her ears. Yes. So Maggie's like, all right, let's go tag in Dr. Charles. Let's do this. So Maggie takes a crack at her. Dr. Charles takes a crack at her. And with Dr. Charles, she basically is like, there's all sorts of radiation in the hospital that you can't avoid. Like, I'm not going in there. I'm not doing this. And Dr. Charles is like, well, we have protocol for that. Like, you're not the first person who's brought up that concern. You know, we definitely have a plan for that. So they get her out of the ambo. And so Dr. Charles walks up with Maggie and she just turns to him. She's like, so we have a protocol for the electromagnetic spectrum. And he goes, we do now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the, it's the med version of uh, Josh's secret plan to fight inflation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That should be the new drinking game. Instead of do we make Wintry Hill references every week, how many West Wing references can we fit into an episode? Yeah. Or just yeah. if we make either or, then you're really going to get drunk. Yeah, yeah. If it's like both in one night, finish your drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they take this treatment room and they rig it up. They basically, they take all the machines out and then the machines that they couldn't take out, they cover with lead blankets and then they cover the walls with like radiation insulating blankets, which for all we know, it could just be regular blankets that they're just telling her do that. Uh, But yeah, so they get her in there. And so Dr. Charles like fixes up her hand and everything. And he just kind of lets her talk and he listens and he understands just like Dr. Charles always does because he's just like the best listener in the world. Um. And then he, he takes his in, he tries to kind of, you know, talk to her about the jaundice, but she's not having it. He's like, you know, can we, can we take some blood? And she's like, absolutely not. No way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And she spouts off some more of her research and it's like really alarming. It's like the things you would find on Reddit. Yeah. I don't spend time on Reddit, but I mean, I don't spend that much time on Reddit either, but from what I know about Reddit, it feels like the things you would find on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the bit about HIV being dusted over low-income populations for population control, I was like, oh god. Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ. She's in. But like the thing is, though, the, the thing is, though, is that people do believe stuff like that, yeah. and that's what's more scary. Is that yeah, this isn't just fiction, and the med writers were like, let's have fun with some random theories, like. People actually believe things like that. That's what's really scary. I still think being a researcher for Chicago Men must be like the most fun job in the world the most fun job but also the most terrifying job both because it's like how much shit am i actually gonna find out right and then like where's the line between like ridiculous shit and then like really scary could be true shit you know oh yeah and it's like how many gross images of terrible injuries am i gonna come across today Ooh, that's not mm, i do not need to see that exactly exactly so he dr charles even asked He's like, so like she mentions where she gets her research and he's like, can you show me one of these forums? And so she shows him and Dr. Charles pulls off a nifty little trick that he learned from Maggie. Did you catch that bit where she like mentions that like she taught him how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So he finds her real name and Maggie's like, oh, from the settings trick that I taught you. Maggie. Queen. Yeah. Like maybe a little bit of an invasion of privacy, but like Maggie. But also, okay, so like, did she just teach him that or is all, or not Oliver, is Dr. Charles the kind of guy who's just like, how do I do this? What do I hit? What does this button do? Is he that? I think so. You think he's the guy who like holds the phone like 20 feet from his face and like squints at it? Yeah. 
I think he knows, like, if it's anything like my dad, like, my dad knows how to, like, make a call, text, which he never really does, but he does know how to do it, and, like, check his email. Anything beyond that, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel he like has- Dr. Charles, like, Dr. Charles knows how to do the basic functions, but if there's anything else beyond that, then no. Then No. That's funny. He did mention something that I was like, you understand what that is? I can't remember what it was, though. It was like maybe an app or something. But he he said something that I was like, you know what that is? All right, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so Dr. Charles does some, well, Maggie really does some digging now that we have her real name. So we find out that right before COVID, her sister went into the hospital for a broken arm. They ended up finding pancreatic cancer and she was dead within a month. So... We find yep. that out. Not only do we find that out, but also pancreatic cancer is hereditary. So the jaundice could be a symptom of that. So it's pretty serious. Maggie is not, Maggie kind of gets fed up with like beating around the bush and sugarcoating and she just opts for blunt honesty. Jacqueline, what? how do you know my name? Oh, I can't explain. No, forget it. I don't trust any of you. We know about your sister and her cancer. Yeah, that the hospitals gave her with their x-rays and their CTs and their MRIs. Those scans killed her. It's not true. Deborah had cancer before she went to the no. hospital. Her death had nothing to do with the test. It was genetic. That's why we need you to get tested, No, you too. stay away from me. You have all been lying to me since I got here. That's not true. We've been trying to help you. Then let me go. Mags, just a word. Be right back. I'm done here. Give me five minutes to walk you out myself, mm-hmm. Mags. What are you doing? We've got to get through to her somehow. Reinforcing her paranoid fantasies is not the way to do that. She may have a terminal cancer, Dr. Charles. She needs to get screened. Well, of course she does, but it's got to be her decision to do that. Well, we know that's never going to happen, don't we? I mean, I'm a big fan of blunt honesty. I get it. Yep. I get it. But also there's the parallel of like, it's twofold really, right? So she's like... Obviously, she's not necessarily projecting, but she's got the personal connection because of what she went through with breast cancer, first and foremost. But also, it's kind of driving home the point that, like, nobody can make the decision to leave med for her. She's got to come to that decision. Yeah. So, like, no matter how shitty shitty things get at med, she doesn't have to leave. It's completely her decision. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. So yeah, uh, she leaves, like the patient leaves, but Dr. Charles basically refers her to a therapist and, you know, Maggie's not thrilled. She's just like, you know, I, I get definitely made it too, I made it a little personal, but you know, Dr. Charles is like, everybody does that. It's cool. Yeah. So, you better not leave. I'll be sad. Yeah. Also, I just realized you put the last part of the storyline in the wrong section. So I'm moving it up. There we go. Oh, oops, my bad. Um, where did I put that? <laughs> in Hannah and Archer. Oh, oops. Okay. So yeah, so the last part of this is Dr. Charles is basically about to leave for the night and he runs into Popple again. And Popple's basically like admiring the wall of like all the different doctors. Dr. Charles is pictured up there too. And uh, yeah, he's, you know, Dr. Charles is like, look, I know things are like, it's gotta be really rough for you having to to this country and start over and Pavel just cuts him off and he's like he's like I'm not one of your patients like I have a plan leave me alone yeah and go ahead no I was just saying yeah it's like yeah he's not very nice and so um Liliana comes over 
and she's just like you know she she apologizes for apologizes for him again and she's like you're such a patient man and he's like i'm a lucky man which like don't say that in one chicago land because that's just going to come back to bite you don't say it in one chicago land two episodes before the finale yeah i'm just like are we gonna is this gonna be a redo of the season two finale where dr charles gets shot like is that what we're heading towards it very well could be I thought Med would have a calmer finale, like where I didn't have to, not calm. That's cute. Okay. Maybe calm isn't the right word. I wouldn't have to worry about anyone's life being in danger. Let's put it that way. Even the season when Dylan and Will got stuck in the fire. I, I mean, wasn't last worried. season. Was it last, last season? <laughs> was that really last season? Yeah, that Dylan only like was around like, for one season. That feels like it was like three seasons ago. Dylan left in this season's premiere. Get out. No, I swear to God, he left like two seasons ago. No, that was the beginning, end of last year, beginning what? of this year. Yeah, time. Yeah. Okay, so even last season finale, I really wasn't that stressed, even though they were technically in mortal peril. Well, yeah, but no, that was this year. It feels like it was like a million years ago. Time flies, man. That's what happens when you lose too many characters. It hurts so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe this is a redo of season two. Mm-hmm. I still don't think he's her brother. Who do you think he is then? I think they're running some sort of scam or like he, he, he like, I don't know. I think there's some sort of so scam you, at play. So you think Liliana's in on this? I think she was at first and then she actually like fell for Dr. Charles. <gasps> Say it isn't so, Liliana. I watch a lot of TV, man. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, I can see it happening too. So I'm like, eh. And if I'm completely wrong, everybody gets to laugh at me. And if you're completely wrong, we also get to breathe because Dr. Charles is okay. True that. True that. So um, I won't put this off any longer because like Hannah and Archer are up next and Bryna is just like chomping at the bit. So uh, <laughs> look at the smile on your face. <laughs> yes. Take it away. Go do the thing. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, so I feel like we should point out, we got a screener of this. Yes. Uh, So, Saturday morning, I was watching this, and literally the whole time, I was so giddy, and I texted you, and I was like, Gina, I need you to watch this right now. Like, right this second. I was like, I, I was like, it's about to get real messy, but also in a great way. But, like, good messy. Oh, this is so good messy. I love this so much. Mm-hmm. So... Basically, we the episode starts out. You've got father-son breakfast going on between Sean and Dean, and you get a little special guest appearance from Hannah. Super cute moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean's getting his kidney tested today. And of course, like Dean's very nervous. And he's just like, you know, my job as a dad is being there for you. Like you being there for me has been more trying than I thought. And that's definitely, I feel like, how it goes. Like when your parent, like when your parents have to be there for your like their kids, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just like. I definitely felt that line, but Mm -hmm. um, Dean's very nervous. So Dean leaves, though. He gets called to the ED, and the barista, the the little med cafe or whatever, starts flirting with Sean. She leaves, and Hannah's like, oh, like, was she flirting with you? And he basically is just like, well, yeah, I guess, but, like, I'm not interested. And he's like, I'm basically, he's like, I'm interested in someone else. Um, And, yeah. So we all know where this is going already. We all know where this is going. I would just like to say that I called it 
I called it. I felt the vibes between Sean and Hannah. Called it. Okay, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to save it till the end because I have a lot to say. Trying to come throw tomatoes at me here in a minute. No, not even that. I'll, I'll save it till the end. Anyway, so Archer gets this patient who has a stomach ache. And yeah, according to Logan, this guy whose name is escaping me is a Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip actor. So it was like a little reunion between Steven Weber and this guy. I don't remember the guy's name, though. He but... looks so familiar. He's been in a ton of stuff. I'm going to Google. Keep talking. Okay. Anyway, so he and his wife have been lo- working to lose weight together. He's lost something like 20 pounds. She's not really lost that much. Turns out, so he has a whole ulcer. So basically ends up being that sh- um, Archer has to do surgery on him. And what they find is that the guy has tapeworm. And this scene... In a very different way from PD's grotesque stuff, the tapeworm stuff is disgusting. Um, it was terrifying. Like they didn't like you said they find the tapeworm. They don't find it. The tapeworm pops out and says, Hello. Well, yes, they discover the tapeworm. The tapeworm pops out and then they go to get it and then it disappears again. So then they have to go find it. It pops up. It's so gross. So gross. And then literally at one point, like in a later scene after they find it, Archer just keeps taking it out. It just keeps going and going and going. And I was like, oh my God, I can't watch this anymore. Non-stop. Okay. The actor who played Tim is Nate Torrance. Okay. Well, he's, he's been in so many things. Okay. So, oh, he was in, oh, he was in an episode of Zootopia Plus. Never mind. That's my niece's favorite movie. What else has he been in? Um, For the People, he was in an episode of that. Oh, that's where I know him from. He was in Supernatural. I was just about to say he. I just googled him too. He was in Supernatural, but I feel like he's been on like twenty bajillion other things. Uh, and he not he wasn't necessarily a big character in Supernatural, but he was a notable one. He's a, he's a fan favorite. I'm just looking at. I don't. I wouldn't recognize him from any of this stuff. So he was in one episode of Supernatural. You recognize him for that? Yeah. Okay, but but. He- sully he was sully's a sully's a fan favorite character he like how do i even explain this i um, mean that's fine as i mean okay yeah no sully, sully's a great one i can't even i can't even explain it without like disturbing you but sully's a fan favorite so yeah i recognize him from that interesting mm-hmm. okay so hannah and sean are hanging out they hit the feud trucks and they run into the patient's wife who is surprised pregnant she had no idea that she was pregnant her water burst she was like oh well i guess that's why i'm not losing all the weight yeah you know i tweeted this last night i know this can happen in real life like i know it happens quite often but it's still baffling to me that people that women don't know they're pregnant until the baby's coming out Oh, it's mind blowing because you 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 see it all the time on like tlc and shit and you're just like how but apparently it happens yeah and i'm just like I mean, granted, I've never been pregnant. I don't have kids. Like, I don't know. But, like, it's just baffling to me that you would not know. Crazy. Yeah. No, it's insane. It's insane. Anyway. So, yeah, we're still back up there with Archer. He, again, pulling out the tapeworms. Apparently, tapeworms regenerate. Also, things we did not know. Don't want to know. Nightmare fuel. Yeah. And it's just, you've got this really funny parallel and it's not supposed to be funny but it's very funny of Archer pulling out the tapeworm which just keeps going and going and going and the wife having the baby and it's just funny because even like one of the episode descriptions I saw is like 
Archer and Hannah keep pulling out unexpected things out of their patients. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. When you think about that and this, it's like, yeah. That's so oddly specific. And then like the the connecting beam of the two being like, you won't believe what came out of me. Like, what? Yeah. Well, and so then I also love how for the pregnant, the the wife, like Sean just is all of a sudden there. And like, she's not even questioning it that he's not a doctor. He's just this guy to her that's guy. there. Yep. And like watching her give birth. It's like, okay, cool. Cool. All right. Casual. Um. And then, like, but Sean is just, like, making hard eyes at Hannah this whole time. Like, he is just in awe. He's so in love with her. It's, like, he, it, yeah. The hard eyes are pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, they're even more obvious because, so, the, also, again, it's not supposed to be funny. But, like, the scene where Archer introduces his patient to the baby, you know, to the baby and Hannah's there and Sean's there. And the guy's just like, who's this? Like pointing to Sean and Sean's and Archer's like, that's my son. And I'm like, oh my God, like that scene's also wild. Oh, it's totally wild. And like the way Archer practices it, he's like, well, you know, you like speaking of your Thailand trip, he's like, you may not have come back with something weird inside you, but your wife did it. Like freezing. It's really just the phrasing of like things inside these patients. And I'm like, I can't, that phrasing is just too much, too much. So, okay. Then we get this scene up on the rooftop. I assume that's all the same part of the roof. Like there's only one part of the rooftop that's open at med, right? For people to go up there. Like where do we, where are these tables been? Yeah, that's a good question. And we never see the rooftop in the day. It's always at night. And where is it in relation to the green screen balcony? That's what I'm saying. Is it all part, like, can you get, like, do you go up to the balcony and then you can just keep walking? Like, is this in the same part? We just never see the roof in the day. I'm also so impressed by how, like, because you'll see sometimes that, like, it's a legit, like, backdrop that they use of the city of Chicago. It's, like, in the studio, just, like, constructed balcony and then a full-on backdrop that you would, like, hang on the wall. And I'm always so impressed at how, like, authentic it looks on TV. Like, you can't tell that it's a freaking backdrop. Yeah, it looked way more like I had no, I mean, though I know it's probably green screen, but like I had, this was actually like, I was like, if this is green screen, I didn't mind it. I can't tell. Yeah. But anyway, so Hannah, Sean, and Dean, they're all chilling, just eating their lunch, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Hannah gets called away. So Hannah leaves and Sean and Dean have this heart to heart that's what i'm gonna call it <laughs> i know that look <laughs> yeah i've been feeling it for a while i mean hannah's smart kind and super cute and seeing her in action today yeah she's a catch no question but uh you, know, you just get back on your feet you know i know a lot of cons, but the pros, I feel good with her. Trust her. Yeah, I get it. You know, you, you, you're still in recovery. So was Hannah, for that matter. Okay, I mean, we all saw this coming, right? That Sean was going to be in love with Hannah. I mean, like, we all saw this coming, like you said. Yeah. It, it was very obvious that they were heading towards some version of a triangle. However, I feel like I need to defend this triangle versus 
I, a lot of people like, and our friend Rachel was just texting us about like the difference between the triangle we had a year ago with Crockett, Pamela and Avery and this triangle. I'm just going to say, I think they're two totally different things. I think it's very easy to just throw them in the same boat because they both involve like parent and child. But I think why I was never a fan of Pamela Crockett, Avery thing one, I just didn't care for, like, my side didn't win. So, like, I just did not care <laughs> for that triangle. Like, I could have cared less about Pamela and Crockett. And that was not my fave. And I wanted him with Avery. And that didn't wasn't the way it went. But I think the messiness of Pamela, Crockett, and Avery is that Crockett was kind of playing both sides at the same time. Like, granted, he, like, at one point, once he kind of started to realize he was, like, more interested in Pamela, he does, like, let Avery down. But I think that's where the messiness of that triangle is, is that like Mm -hmm. he was kind of while he's going on dates with Avery, also flirting with Pamela. Like that was just like messy in that regard. So far, at least with this triangle, it's not like Sean is the one having feelings for Hannah. I don't think I think they make it pretty clear that like Hannah doesn't have feelings for Sean, although we don't know that confirmed. But like, I think that's pretty clear. So it seems to be that like, if they're going there, it's like Hannah and Dean have feelings for each other. And then Sean's just the one out there who has feelings for him. Like Hannah doesn't Wait, reciprocate. So you, you think Hannah has feelings for Dean and vice versa? Yes. Okay. I don't get that vibe. I mean, I've made that quite clear in past weeks, but still. I don't I mean, I'm not going to get mad at you because I know you don't feel the, well, like it's kind of, Lauren and I were texting about it today. Like I don't okay, see but, how people- but but feeling it and seeing it are two different things. Like I'm not feeling it. I don't feel like I, you know, I'm I'm not like it's not that like I'm just kind of like, okay, like that's great. I'm not like buzzed about him or anything, but I didn't see anything that indicated those vibes between Hannah and Dean. Listen, I don't think she's sitting here saying, like, I'm in love with Dean. No, I don't think that either. And like, cause he Dean is only kind of you can start to see it now where he's like trying to basically persuade Sean from going after Hannah mm-hmm. that like you could kind of say that Dean has it but my point being is that like the difference between this triangle for me is that like I don't think they're gonna make it a messiness where like Hannah's involved with both parties at the same time like I think it's very much in my opinion I think it's going to be that Sean has an unrequited crush on Hannah and Hannah's not going to reciprocate whether she has feelings for Dean or not, I think that's where this is going versus to me, why Crockett, like that whole situation was just messier because Crockett's kind of using mom and daughter at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that to me is why they're very different. And I think people just want to loop them together because it's like, it's mother and daughter and son and father. And I'm like, okay, but they're different. But that that's the only similarity. They're different. They're different. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But like, anyway. So. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But yeah. anyway, we, then we end with my favorite scene. My favorite scene. So Archer walks into the doctor's lounge and Hannah's sitting there, you know, reading their charts, whatever she's doing. And Archer's talking about, you know, they're talking about their patients and how, you know, basically how the day went and how unexpected it was, blah, blah, blah. Archer goes to open his locker and Hannah pranks him. He cause it basically it's like one of those things where like the peanuts jump out at you or whatever those things are called. And it basically causes him to spill his coffee on his uh, jacket. 
So Hannah goes over there and, you know, they're talking, whatever. And she's like wiping off the coffee stain off it, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're very close, like very close. And who else walks up on this moment? But Sean is outside and he watches this scene through the window. And yeah. 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 The messiness, though, like it's getting real messy. It's so good, though. And just like honest, I, I know Hannah and Archer are not everyone's cup of tea. I get it. I, I really, I get it. I can understand why. But like, to me personally, in my opinion, like as I was watching this scene, it was one of those things where I like kept pausing it because I was like, oh my god, this like they're gonna kiss. I was like, they're gonna, it's gonna happen, and then they didn't happen, which is fine. But, like, I just was, like, this scene is, like, probably one of my favorite scenes. Like, it's one of those things where, like, in years where these seasons have maybe been, like, kind of up and down, like, this was a true, like, high point for me of the season. Even if this is, like, all we get this year of Hannah and Archer, I will be okay. Because, like, I love this scene. Like, I've rewatched it probably 20 bajillion times. I love this scene. That hasn't happened very often this season where you watch a scene 400 times. Just saying. No, it doesn't. It hasn't happened a lot this year. And it. No. Don't know. It really rarely happens on med that much. Yeah. So. Hannah and Jean is like giving me a a buzz that I haven't gotten in a long time. So I'm taking it. The only. Okay. The only buzz I've got is about where the rest of the season is going. Because like, again, shit's getting messy. And since med is usually the safe show, you know, you can like sit back and not really worry and just be like, oh, they're getting themselves in all sorts of trouble. And then like. You usually don't have to worry about, like, is anybody leaving or dying? No, but this is going to get, like, I I mean, I think we've kind of talked about it, but I think the theory is that Sean's now going to be in his feelings because he basically just confessed that he has feelings for Hannah and he saw his dad moving in on Hannah, even though that wasn't really what was happening. Yeah, Yeah, that wasn't what was happening. But he's going to be, like, I think hesitant now to donate his kidney or he's not going to want to or whatever. And then that's going to turn in messy. And then they're going to make up and they're going to have a great moment. And, you know, then he's going to donate the kidney and we're still going to get Sean Archer death troop. And it's I was just going to ask if you still think that's still going to happen. I think that could be a cliffhanger. Like, oh, he, like, flatlines or something. And maybe, oh, yeah. like, next season when we actually find out for sure whether he dies. But, yeah. If Sean makes it to next season, we got to get Luigi on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But you got to earn it. You got to live first. (laughs) You got to live first. You got to be the one son that makes it to live. (laughs) Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) But no, the messiness. I'm just, I want Steven Weber back on the pod. Like next year, we got to get, we, I, so much to discuss and hopefully i won't be sick this time and i'll actually get to talk to him yeah, yeah. um and i'm happy for you and lauren and the the hannah archer stands everywhere i'm happy that you guys got your there's boss. very few of us but we do exist but you exist you exist it's listen fair. listen yeah. i back when people didn't like crockett and natalie and i was up on that train in the very beginning and then everyone the next year is like crockett and natalie and i was like listen people mm-hmm Yep. people they're gonna come around it's it's i feel like it's gonna happen it'll happen it'll, it'll happen. happen especially when they end up being like it's gonna be like them up there with berzik as like the two like one chicago ships and it's gonna be like how did we get here not that it's i'm the, complaining but like how did we get here it's the archer and hannah 
just kidding. <laughs> Whatever. I was crying two hours ago and now I'm making bad jokes. So leave me alone. It's on. fine. We've cut. This was truly therapy. We needed this. This was a good idea to go backwards. I'm happy we did that. Yeah. Yeah. So last up, we've got William and Crockett. I like these two working together. Yeah. More please. So we did a nice little revisit to Richard, who is 2.0's very first patient. Love that they do every now and then, like they bring back the old patient. Like I really do enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that was a, that's a really cool callback. I like that a lot. So yeah. Um, yeah, so he's back. Uh, he busted his ankle, but- once his wife leaves, he basically tells Will, he's like, look, the reason I busted my ankle, I've been weak, clumsy, all of that stuff. The cancer's back. Like, I know yeah. it's back. And so Will's like, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just like one thing at a time. So they test for it and everything. The cancer is indeed back. Mm-hmm. And so we load, so we give Crockett the lowdown and Crockett's like, okay, we're doing this surgery again. Boom. Got it. But get a load of this shit. Booked the whole day for one person's pacemaker. Apparently, Jack has decided to rent out OR 2.0. As long as you have the money, you can reserve it for as long as you want. I know this is unorthodox, but when Jack started analyzing revenue streams... No, he's selling seats on a rocket ship, making up rules only his rich pals can play by. Okay, right now, I need a solution for my patient. Rich is ready for surgery, and this other guy's still in Colorado. And my priority is patient care, and I'm not going to have an operating room held hostage by Jack Dayton. Start your surgery. Wait, just hold on. Jack's already made it clear that he's no longer subsidizing 2.0. Are we sure Evans can pay? Are you kidding me? We're talking about a man's life. Dr. Halstead. The way I see it, Mr. Evans' initial surgery was pro bono, so we can consider this a necessary follow-up and forgive the bill. Start your surgery, Dr. Marcel. Thank you. You know, Jack's ideas, chasing profits for the hospital, it only widens the gap. It's not right. Wow. I gotta let Jack know what's going on. No, 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 no. You let me tell him myself. We're gonna keep this line of communication direct. Jack is a vile human. Jack Dayton fucking sucks. Dude. Like, I like used the friends gif where Rachel and Ross are like that. this. And I was like, this is a message for Jack Dayton and Jack Dayton Olin. Only. Yeah. Because it is. Like, that's how I feel. I just want to be like, fuck you. And you. Like, I, you. And you. you. And they, and they, and they, I hate your friends and they hate me too. Yeah, too. that fits. Yep. This, that song, anthem right now. That's the Jack Dayton anthem. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize, I, I mean, I we've kind of been going back and forth on it, but season eight is quite literally the Jack Dayton villain origin story. Yep. My goodness. You can rent it out. And then like, he's also like, and then the way George is like, he's not subsidizing it anymore. Do we know if this guy can pay? And like, you Whoa. can tell- it took everything in Will's power not to like jump over that table and like pummel him. Well, and even just in Goodwin's, Goodwin was like, really, really? I thought you were on our side. Like, really? Right. And like, you're a doctor too, George. How can you say that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like Jack is quite literally now like treating the ED like it's a toy and not sharing with his like rich and poor friends. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Yep. And it's, Jack is vile. Oh my God. Yeah. So Will goes back out into the ED and even the patient count is down now because like they're only accepting patients with insurance. So they're turning people away. And like, Will gets so desperate at one point he goes out into the waiting room and he like basically talks a patient into faking chest pain so that he can get treated. 
Mm-hmm. Well, just well doing well things. So we go over to surgery in 2.0 and, you know, Crockett's doing his thing. Everything's moving smoothly. And then 2.0 kind of does a glitch. Yep. Like it freezes up for a second. And so I was like thinking about this more because like, you know, in, in 2.0, you see, you don't see like actual footage of the inside of his body. You see like the tech, the rendering, the rendering basically. And so, I mean, I was just kind of thinking of like, where could this have possibly gone wrong? And what if the rendering was incorrect? Well, yeah, and I think that's going to be, I'm sure something, it looks like in the promo for next week that Crockett's like investigating like what went wrong and like what happened. And I'm sure that's probably going to be part of it is like, was it a malfunction? Did 2.0 tell him wrong? Did it just like what actually, what part of it went wrong? Because then you can argue that the rendering has been a liability all along. Mm-hmm. They're, they could open themselves up to some big lawsuits. But yeah, I mean, that was definitely something. And then like, so they're doing an ablation, which is like, basically he's like, he goes in with the lesions and hits them with this like high frequency something or other that like, it just basically like makes them burst into like a bunch of little pieces. And so he hits the first one, no problem. And then 2.0 is like, proceed forward three millimeters to bypass like this big vein or something. And like, that's where something could have gone wrong. I don't know. But 2.0 basically has a moment where it's like repeatedly calculating. And Crockett's like, dude, like figure it out. Hello. And it's only a few seconds. So like that couldn't have been it, could it? Well, and the thing that though, when I was watching this too, is like, you know how those couple episodes ago, Crockett was like, I've become way too reliant on two. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, which we'll find out in two seconds, like he's so upset by this whole thing and how it goes and how it ends is because like four episodes ago or however many episodes ago it was, Crockett was like, you know, we've become too reliant on 2.0. I'm going to go back and start doing some of the basic stuff from scratch, you know, you know, by myself again so that I can like not lose how it, and I feel like he's going to feel guilty because I feel like he's going to feel like he was too reliant on 2.0. Yeah. And, and this is so interesting too. Cause like, okay. So, so after the surgery, Crockett like goes in and they go to wake Richard up and everything had gone smoothly, but Richard doesn't wake up and it's cause he had a stroke. Yeah. And so when he's up on the green screen balcony with Goodwin at the very end, my brain was going through all of the, okay, well, I was like, look, he's so dependent on 2.0, 2.0 is guiding him through the surgery. So really it's 2.0's fault. And then I was like, no, but where, where's the line? Like some of it had to have been Crockett's fault. Like, yeah, I was literally, I was just genuinely thinking that after the surgery things like, okay, well, who's at fault here? And so that's, I mean, it's a good it's a good well, like dilemma that they're showing because I yeah, mean, literally, I, just, I think that's why he's just gonna. I mean, next week it looks like he's just gonna be constantly beating himself up, and I think that's probably you know the biggest part of it. Which is yeah, the other thing too is that you know so so let's just get to this last part. So um, Goodwin hears about what's going on, and she goes and finds Crockett on the green screen balcony. Doctor Marcel. Yeah. Hey. How you doing? I don't know what happened. 2.0 didn't indicate anything was wrong. No alarms. Vitals were stable the entire time. Is that to be on me? I must have done something. I had to have done something wrong. I know that's how it feels. But sometimes, even under the best of circumstances, 
patients don't survive. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. It's awful. It is. But it's the burden we bear. Crockett's taking this really hard. And if you think about it, he hasn't had a loss in a while. Mm -mm. And it's very, it's full circle. It's like a full circle smack in the face, right? Because like the first surgery with 2.0 is what gave him his confidence to be like, yeah, this is a great tool. I can do this. And now that it's kind of betrayed him in a way, he's starting to question everything he spent the whole season learning and knowing. Yep. Yeah. So Crockett kind of just got a really disturbing reality check. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Yeah. No, it sucks. Totally sucks. So next week, we'll just be dealing with the fallout of that. Yeah, it looks, I mean, and that's what the whole promo is, is like Crockett and he's talking to Grace and it, yeah, that whole. Um... Promo photos dropped while we were recording, by the way. Oh, of course they did. That's what I, I was making the image for next week as you we were talking earlier. But yeah, so. So yeah, we shall see. We shall see. But it's going to be a messy end of the season and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these, next that, two, these two next two episodes for both are, you know, at least next week for both are all three shows. It looks really interesting. Yeah. So. so. Um, as we said before, we did get to chat with the director of this week's episode. Um, she was fantastic. Her name is Nikki Taylor Roberts. Um, again, she's part of the NBCU Female Forward Launch Program, which is just such a good program. It's such a good way to amplify women's voices. Yes. Yes. So we had a great chat with her, and here it is. All right. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Good. How are you? Nice to meet you. You nice as to well. Meet you too. You as well. Yeah. All right. So let's just jump on in. So. You're part of the NBCU Launch Female Forward program. Uh, tell us, what made you want to be part of this program? Boy, um, I well, the chance to direct one of the shows, like whether it be in the you know the Dick Wolf world or uh, you know Blacklist, which is now off, or you know any one of the NBC brand primetime brand shows, that was the reason why. Um, and also like to get opportunity to shadow um, in a way that would lead to like a legitimate um, first episode, you know, it's rare um, and there's a lot of programs, but it's rare that, you know, one guarantees your first episode and uh, NBC was like the premier one to do that. Um, others later followed, but it's, you know, it's one of those milestones that, um it's hard to come by uh so to get it you know meant changes in my career uh for the better so that's awesome um how has being a part of this program empowered you not only as a director but also a woman obviously given that it is a female focused program like how has it empowered you as a woman and a director um but you know it's 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 the physical internal heartfelt experiential truth and validation that not only am I a director that I I can do this in this system in this machine you know because episodic television is very different from other forms of directing um and you know it's it's it, it's something that you need it's like on set craft on site craft experience that a person needs like each show is different but there is a 
a a rhythm to the beast of the system that you know one needs to have practical experience with before they can do it and yeah <laughs> so awesome so you did direct this week's episode of chicago med how familiar were you with the one chicago universe beforehand i've always been a fan of the the Chicago Med, like of the shows. I love the other shows, but I've always been a fan of Chicago Med. So I've been watching it for as long as it's been on. So it's, you know, as a fan, you know, when you get to direct an episode, it's been, it's been like, wow, I, I can't believe it. I'm actually, I'm actually talking to these characters. <laughs> so that's awesome. I know this episode marks your broadcast TV directorial debut. I guess what are some of the differences in your preparation compared to when you're prepping? I know you've directed a lot of short films, so like differences between like prepping to direct a short film versus this episode of television. It's the time that you have, you know. Um you have uh you know for any of the other things I've done, I've had um there's been like some, you know, plasticness to the time you know I could get there weren't like certain things I had to have done by xxx but because we're we're this is a business you know where it's the industry it has it keeps moving um it was a time uh that uh was different for me and you know but it was still great you know <laughs> so yeah that's great. And I mean, I'm sure on a medical show, there's a whole other set of challenges on its own. Oh, yeah. So what was it like shooting the medical scenes? Were there any particular challenges? Well, thank God that there's actual like medical people like, you know, doctors, physicians, nurses, those people who consults who, for the show there. And they're very much an integral part in the creative, you know, um, a lot of the creative choices, things I thought all of us, you know, would work they're like nope it doesn't you know it has to be shot this way or it has to be done this way because the medical requires it so thank god they were on set and they were involved in the process from prep to you know to production so which made it easier because so i didn't have to spend time learning language that didn't <laughs> <laughs> you were talking earlier about how obviously this program specifically allows you to shadow and you there's various workshops that come with it do you feel like now that this episode is behind you do you feel like they adequately prepared you for directing this episode oh absolutely definitely yeah yeah, yeah. and and you know like i said it's not it, it was something that i had to be in the trenches with you know um watching feeling, touching, you know, absorbing in order for me to even uh, direct the episode because there, there's so many pieces uh, to the puzzle. Um, but coming away from this, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've got this. So That's great. Awesome. Do you have a favorite scene in this week's episode, whether it be from a challenging standpoint or what it means to the story? Yeah, um, I love uh, Maggie scenes with um, our patient, uh, a lot of that through line is very um, personal for her. And, you know, I resonate with it too. I just, I, I, like I said, being a fan of the show, being a fan of her, just watching that, um, watching her, what having that on set, having that emotion brought on set and that personal lived experience on set, that was one of my favorite episodes, uh, moments. Um, especially when she, you know, she's, emphatic about wanting to save a person's life like you need to get screens which is I think a message for all us women <laughs> you need to get screens yes. um and that was one of my favorite moments that and like the the surgery <laughs> the surgery moments and yeah. the delivery 
um, as well, because I, I just love, um, you know, the thought of women uh, who seem to be past a certain age still being able to carry, you know, it's like all, all the things that the medical uh, community community has said is, but then it's not lived, you know, so defying those limitations, I, I think is uh, an awesome thing that this episode does. And that's why I love each one of those moments. So that's awesome. I know we're about to wrap up, but I do have one last question. I know, obviously, there's a lot going on in Hollywood right now. But what's next for you? Do you have any other projects you're getting ready to direct? Or what's going on with what's next for you? Well, I'm looking at this opportunity to just kind of chill, you know, um, you know, there's, um, you know, obviously I, as a union member, like I, I stand with uh, the WGA mm -hmm. and their fights because it's all of our fights. Eventually it will trickle down and become um, a fight that we all have to fight. So, you know, I've taken the opportunity to kind of just go back to some passion projects and, you know, really delve deep into them. Um, but yeah, well, we will see what happens, you know, once this, once this, uh, improves changes or moves, but I've really, um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I've definitely about taking the opportunity to kind of just breathe. So, yeah. Once again, thank you to NBC for setting that up. Thank you to Nikki. Um, yeah, you guys, good stuff. So, uh, yeah, as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. 99% of the time, we're in way better moods than we were tonight. So, you know, we're going to- We turned it around like we said by the end. We turned we it turned around. We turned it around just like we said we would. We did. Yeah, for sure. So, yes. Uh, social media, that's where you can find us. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. Seriously, just let it out. Just let it out. Our inbox is a safe space. And all you got to do is just tell us if you don't want us to read it. And we won't. Mm -hmm. we will listen we will respond and then that it will be it so yeah um normal schedule of course as long as there's new episodes i will not be here next week um i will be like traversing the country um like three different times so yeah. um friend of the pod rachel becker will be here which is great we love her so much maybe one day she and i will get to pod together yeah maybe one day <laughs> yeah uh, but in the meantime follow us individually on twitter i am at gina watches tv brina i'm at brina k13 once again thank you guys for letting us use this as a therapy slash i feel better brina yes i definitely feel better all right well you guys have a great weekend put the one chicago down watch something happy like watch a we're Disney almost, movie or something we're almost there guys we're almost we're there almost there we we're almost there and then you get rewarded with our finale recap which is really just going to be like a giant chaotic party because jimmy and lauren will be here and that'll be awesome yes assuming schedules line up like we're hoping they will yes they both will be here it'll happen i'm manifesting jimmy will yeah. work it out yeah it'll happen so all right you guys have a great weekend and we will see you next week bye